Live from our studio in Downtown Swords, it's the 250 with your hosts, Andrew Quinn and Darren Mooney. The 250 is recorded in front of a live studio audience. Hello, 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 hello. Thank you. Thank you very much. We've got a very special show lined up for you this evening. But first, a little bit of an announcement. Unfortunately, we lost a bit of the recording at the end of this. I know. I know. But hey, I guess that's what it's like in the recording industry. You get what you pay for. Am I right? Am I right? He knows what I'm doing. Anyway, it was a fun discussion all around. We had a wonderful uh, evening. And most of it is, is still here, so we hope you enjoy. Hello. <laughs> um, I, 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 I wasn't expecting that. Terrific. I, I, I want to add something. <laughs> Let me just check my lines. <laughs> I, can't, I can't find my place. We'll go to Jen. Our, 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 what, our a show, what a show we have lined up for you tonight, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a wonderful guest here. I'm your host, Darren Mooney. Joining me as always is my co-host, Andrew Quinn. Hello. Uh, and Jen Dannon, um, broadcaster, columnist, uh, and cop journalist. Thank Hello. you. So what we're going to be talking about this evening in front of a live studio <laughs> audience um, is we're going to be talking about the new movie Joker, uh, which came into the 250 uh, earlier in the week. It is currently positioned at number nine <gasps> in the list of the 250 greatest movies of all time, as voted for by IMDb users, which is an interesting choice. It supplanted Fight Club, which was the movie that we were supposed to be talking about this week, which was at number 10. Um, so yeah, this is a, this is an interesting... Oh, are you telling me we're still in that summer of 99? <laughs> <laughs> it never ends. There's still more of that to come? <laughs> it never ends, Andrew. It just never ends. It's going to be continuing on... Because of this just in, uh, it's going to be lasting until next year because we have to rejig the schedule as a result. It's October 5th, 2019. <laughs> number one in the charts. I can't is... actually answer that, which is very Can sad. Can you tell me what number six is? What's um, happening in the news? Uh, but yes, so very much a film of the moment. Uh, this is Todd Phillips' 2019 DC Comics adaptation, Warner Brothers picture, starring Joaquin Phoenix, um, winner of the Golden Lion Award um, at the Venice Film Festival, looking at an opening at the Irish box office of somewhere in the north of 750,000 euro, which is a phenomenal sort of overall, particularly for a movie that isn't a traditional tentpole film. In the United States, it's oh, taken it's the highest ever previous... Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, no, no, it's projected to, based oh, on based on earnings overnight. Yeah, so they project for the weekend. They don't actually do the totting up until early in the next week. Um, but in the United States, it's already taken... The highest grossing midnight screening in October, beating Venom, looks set to beat Venom's record uh, for... Andrew's, like, wincing in pain. <laughs> no, I haven't seen Venom, but I, 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 I didn't imagine a headline being... It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, bigger, it's than Venom. Bigger, bigger than Venom. It's bigger than Venom, yeah. Well, yeah, because this is the thing where, like, you know, we're out of the summer now. This is where, you know, studios release films that are maybe not seen as being conventionally summer blockbuster friendly. And this is maybe a nice sort of segue to talking about kind of Joker, because Joker is nominally a superhero film. It is based on the iconic DC Comics character, the Batman villain. However, it is also a film that is shot in the style of a low-budget independent film. It's very much evoking a kind of an older style of studio filmmaking. In fact, Todd Phillips, when he was pitching the movie to Joaquin Phoenix, described as a heist movie. Joaquin Phoenix looked at it and said, there's no action in this movie. Philip's reply was, we're going to steal $50 million from Warner Brothers to make a Martin Scorsese tribute. Oh, God. Oh, Already? yeah. Already? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. It's a kind of a thing where, um, like, the, it, it, it's a case where a director should maybe let a movie speak for itself. Thank you. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. The the more he talks about it, the the worse it seems. The monkey yeah. from The Hangover Two would have been a better office <laughs> press tour than Todd Phillips. But that, that's it. Like this is the thing where like. I, remember, I haven't read the stuff, but none of the like headlines have been kind of like anything kind of interesting. No, no. Like yeah. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna talk very briefly about them. We're just gonna rush through them because they've been hashed out to death. But to give a bit of context for listeners who are just hearing about this from the two fifty, uh, <laughs> Philip's point of view <laughs> was that the far left was responsible for trying to like silence Joker and undermine his artistic vision. His other point was that woke culture had made it unviable for him as an artist to make another comedy film. That's why he was making Joker. Um, he was kind of this sort of like approach as well, where he's, he's very combative in interviews. When dealing with questions about things like the portrayal of violence in movies, he was very sort of flippant and very sort of like, he compared it, talking about like John Wick 3, but in a way that's not particularly interesting, because I think there is a discussion there to talk yeah. about. But his attitude has generally been defensive Defensive. and combative and very hair trigger uh, about this sort of stuff. And it's notable that, and again, we're going to cover this very briefly because you know, you probably know all this stuff already. And just in case listeners are kind of jumping in blind, um, Joker has become a kind of a media furore. Now we'll talk about some of the content of the criticism uh, in a moment, but no, no, hold on. Just, just, it's probably worth just running through mid paragraph. <laughs> this is one of Darren's. Um, sorry, was it was was this the part that I'm not meant to be speaking? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. no, okay. Well, it's more just in terms of like giving a sense of how heightened everything is around Joker at the moment. The U.S. Army issued a warning to its soldiers um, not to attend screenings, or if they're attending yeah, opening weekend screenings, the FBI, yeah, to keep... um, kind of yeah, informed the the U.S. Army, and the U.S. Army apparently cascaded. Yeah, yeah sent out an internal memo warning people if they're going to the cinema to see Joker to keep an eye on exits and to be aware of la- mass shooting threats. Landmark I mean, theaters tell their people to be aware of exits. <laughs> just, kind of, just generally, just yeah. Like, yeah. It, it yeah. helps if you're hungry. You <laughs> want to get a snack in the middle of the film. You need to go like, pee. Yeah. Kill machines that yeah. <laughs> um, also yeah yeah no nowhere to go to get a snack or uh... um, landmark theaters banned costumes makeup and masks at screenings of this one over one the of weekend. the places you go where exits are pointed out at the beginning <laughs> yeah, film, it's yeah. like right here if you get on a plane that you're aware of where the exits are you should also know if you should never a use the jacket <laughs> yeah. um, NYPD uh, has undercover and uniformed officers attending screenings at opening weekends the LAPD has increased visibility in and around theatres uh, th- for reasons that are very obvious and to be honest, I'm quite I sensitive. I feel very uncomfortable at those views <laughs> as the movie progresses. Yeah. Um, oh no, what have I done? At somebody pointed Where have out, I placed myself? As somebody pointed out, there's nothing worse than enjoying Joker while a uniformed police officer stares at you intently. <laughs> um, but um, more seriously, and perhaps like I can understand this one, Aurora, Colorado, has the, the cinema there has declined to show it following the Ohms uh, shooting spree that happened with The Dark Knight Rises. Um, interview press and this is interesting because this this is what you're saying Jen where like getting a sense with Joker Todd Phillips talking about Joker is probably the worst way to try and sell Joker he's more problematic than the film it's yes. well like actually yeah I, the kind of 
is it like left left leaning film Twitter are going to I suppose prickle at but it, does that help the the the, the film the, marketability? The film? Or something? Well, I mean, because it, like I would, our our last um, does controversy guest, sell? Yeah. I, I kind of like um, asked them kind of as as we were about to record. Um, are you, you kind of sitting this one out? And and I've seen like other friends of ours who are like similarly um sitting it out. Yeah. And is is that a kind of a, a, a like a a, a political um, statement. Sta- statement and and maybe it's not. Well, I think it's kind of it's a bit silly, really, because it I mean, seems to me, yeah. Whatever, like Todd Phillips is a man who made the Hangover, and I think he really this is him being super serious, serious, and mm. wanting to prove himself, you know, in this very much egotistical way and I but I do likening himself to Scorsese exactly (laughs) well basically you know taking Scorsese's you know homework home and copying it like but you know I do think that to sit it out though is to just avoid having the conversation and to be honest it's for what it's worth the film maybe isn't all that yes to, to have all this fury around it I mean yeah. not, not to get yeah not to get not to get too into details no, but I think spoilery. that yeah or too spoilery I think there's a sense of this being a, a film like we talked like Andrew joked about the summer of 99 lasting forever but on on that season where we cover the 99 movies in the 250 we talked about The Matrix and we talked about like Fight Club and those are movies that are very profound kind of culture war artifacts and had huge impacts in terms of culture and also had things to say about like thorny issues like masculinity and identity and purpose and stuff like that dark but also kind of balanced yeah and the thing about Joker and not not to get too spoiled we'll talk about it in a moment watching Joker and I've seen it twice now is that it is not like The Matrix or Fight Club in that I don't think it's... And again, I want to be very careful how I phrase this. It's not saying anything necessarily about modern society. What I think it is saying, if it's saying anything at all, is about how we have these conversations about kind of society. Ish, but I if, also yeah. think it's really Todd Phillips trying to have his cake and eat it because he's playing off both sides. There is no point of view yeah, that's really, exactly. to this film at all, yeah. which is strange for a film that has all this controversy around it and has those massive reviews where it's like a masterpiece five stars seven minutes standing ovation of venice what well, really only... what and then you go see it and you're like huh okay like it, they overwhelmingly got, it only got five stars because they they couldn't give it six like <laughs> i i like watching all of the kind of billboards and stuff i thought like has nobody tried to give a movie six stars? Because they already have these six star hotels out in Dubai. Only films based in Dubai can get six yeah, stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Austin Bowers, we need you now. Well, that's the thing. Well, that's the actual thing is that like the American system of stars is four stars. Because and I remember talking about this. That's like, why four star pizza is the best. Yeah, all pizzas are available. Isn't it from the four star state? Um, oh, I I'm not sure. Is that is okay. that the case? Do we have to go to the fact machine for a pizza related question? <laughs> Are we going to the? Oh, let's go to the fact machine for a pizza. This feels like an appropriate Joker related tangent. <laughs> Sorry, four star pizza, four star steak. Is that the one? 
Yeah, I'm wondering, is, 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 isn't... Because pe- the joke is people are like, well, why is it a five-star? Obviously, that's the best, but it, it, it's more humble. Is it's saying, <laughs> maybe I don't even deserve four stars. Or is it an Irish chain? I don't think it is. It, I think it's an American thing that came to Ireland, then completely like the, broke the, down in America and is still here. Maybe. Which I, love. I don't know. We've <laughs> taken it into our hearts. I can't actually find anything oh, on that. Four star pizza. Right four star when I said four star pizza or name. Origins. Or, name. Or, or, origins. I like this. It's like we we're can't, wait, we can't the return. The origin story of Joker. <laughs> the origin story. We're waiting for the gritty we Papa John uh, sort of origin story. We cannot <laughs> set a precedent here where we go to the fact machine and return uh, empty handed stuff. We'll at least have to make up something. <laughs> We're back from the fact machine. I, I don't actually have a, a reason for it, but the story is fascinating. Ooh. The story is, you're kind of both right when you talk about like, when you talk about it being an American chain um, that kind of like came over to Ireland. It wasn't an American chain. It was founded by an American. It originated in Washington, Pennsylvania with Alan and Susan Cottrell, who'd operated Domino's pizza stores in Ohio. Um, however, they sensed a market for American style delivery pizza. So traveled to Ireland in 1986 to found the company there. They gave us pizza. They, they should be given the freedom of Ireland. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm yeah. so delighted. Where here. are their statues? There are 49 outlets. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. This. 49 outlets across the island, island of Ireland. I'm kind of disappointed there's not 50. Oh, there should be. <laughs> a lot of they your, gave up. And you, you'll remember as well, Darren, a lot of your early, um, well, not, not, not that early, but a lot of your, your early film, film criticism. Um, sort of like, yeah, you know, like your experiences. Yeah. We, there was a buy one, get one free uh, voucher on the back of every cinema ticket from, in Sligo, in from the, the, the Gaiety. Gaiety Cinema. No, no longer, I don't think. Do they have like a deal with Domino's now? Have they sold out? <laughs> Domino's sold their souls. Yeah. Domino's positioned themselves closer to the Gaiety Cinema. <laughs> well, I mean, there is such a thing as a pizza film that the director, Alex Ross Perry, coined about like those kind of films that you'd only watch you know, it, oh. it would get from the video shop when you were getting a pizza at the same time. That's interesting because I, I when you said the when you said the pizza films, I was thinking more of like the uh, the recent film starring Hayden Christensen and Emma Roberts. Oh, the Li- Jerome, Lily. Or Li- Lily. Lily. Why was I going to Jerome with just, no, That's a, that's a very film. different film with a whole kettle of issues. But yeah, Little Lily is like the romantic the romantic comedy pizza movie, um, oh. which is appa- and apparently it's very charming, as you might imagine. Hayden Christensen, Emma Roberts, romantic oh, comedy. Oh, the charm is oozing from <laughs> the, that one. The charisma, the I, diamond. I hate pepperoni. It's coarse. And it gets everywhere. Um, actually, we do. We do. I managed to find the, the reason why it's called Four Star. Um, it's actually because when they started out in Pittsburgh, the owners had four stores. And they were their four stars. So when there were a whole when they became a wholly Irish owned company with stores all over the place, they kept the name Four Stars. Okay. Right. So it's like the t- t- the um the uh, the How did we end on, up talking about on, this? On the, on the flag. This my fault? <laughs> <laughs> I do love pizza. It could be my fault. Um, but yeah, like this is the thing with the Todd Phillips situation. I think you're right, actually. Like the, <laughs> sorry, let's <laughs> no, no. wind up back into Todd Phillips. <laughs> the controversy, yes. the pizza game. Yeah, pizza, pizza game. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that nice sort of segue. Speaking of real controversies, <laughs> like this is the thing where, like, despite all the noise around, and we'll talk about this because the noise later on. Like, 
I was initially wary of Joker, and it's kind of weird when I watch the internet go crazy about Joker because it was did like the world end yesterday evening. The world did not end when they no. showed screenings of Joker. Surprisingly, oh, yeah. yeah. But like when it's supposed to be the beginning of, of the, <laughs> making the culture war real, yeah, like taking it to the streets. And but make... people don't want nuance on Twitter. Are you crazy? Like they just want people killing each other and tearing their hair out and getting their knickers in a twist about you know an okay film. Um, but this is the thing with um, like I was wary coming to Joker not because of like the culture war because it was you know an incel origin story or an anti fast story or whatever, just because Todd Phillips, right? Yes, like. I like The Hangover. I like Old School. I think that Todd Phillips, you know, is sure. a pretty good comedy director. And you, I think... You've seen comedy directors like Adam McKay go on exactly. to make very serious But movies. he is well, not Adam no, McKay. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing, is that, like, this this isn't... Like, if this was his first shot, I'd be like, let's give him a shot, let's see how it works. Because Adam McKay worked out rather well with The Big Short. Sure. I'm one of the few people who like Vice. Um, but you, like you saw as well, Adam McKay taking some of those uh, themes kind of in his comedies, like in the other guys. Yes, but yeah. also to say with Adam McKay, he knows what works for himself. As in, he knows he's good at comedy in the way that he has beats, and he can bring them into a dramatic genre. Whereas Todd Phillips has just disposed of any kind of humor whatsoever. That feels intentional. And it's I find that sad though, because if anything, if Joker was something like a black comedy, I think work way better it takes itself way too seriously and that for me is a problem it it, it does feel very um uh, intentional though. yeah like, because like, he's like it, i'm a big boy now comedy is like a thing i used to do and now i want to be taken seriously and why can't you be taken seriously for being a really good comedy writer you know and I, inflecting it with comedy stylings it's like he's crafted it in such a way to not be funny like yeah, a, as some really sort isn't. of a, a <laughs> as some sort of a comment because you have what that like oh it, comedy parts. is so serious now and everyone's scared to have an opinion and what's happened to comedy in that kind of way exactly yeah so yeah that, this guy. that's <laughs> kind of like what 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 seems to 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 come across because you have parts of the movie that could be funny yeah where where they're um refusing to be funny because you know that Todd Phillips has made funny movies yes. so so he, he knows he what is touch. funny you would think yeah but the like the any of the jokes that kind of like Murray makes or like any of intentionally those, corny none of them are, are are going to make anybody um, laugh out loud well that, that's the thing is that like for me being wary of it as a Todd Phillips film was because Phillips had kind of signaled his desire to transition from comedy to drama before. I'm thinking specifically, say, The Hangover 3, right? Which begins as a comedy, begins as a comedy film, and then inexplicably, I love that. The, that the thrilling conclusion. Right? <laughs> exactly. It's literally the thrilling conclusion. I mean, uh, I, I thought that, that was a joke, though. Uh, I because was, when I saw, like, yeah, anyway, it was never meant to be a trilogy. If, Come on. If I was if I was going to be catty, I'd observe that, you know, Jen laughed at that suggestion more than I laughed at The Hangover 3. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist that. But, like, no, no, but but seriously, though, the, the thing with Phillips and why I was kind of cautious coming to Joker is because Phillips had kind of tried to do this before. Like, The Hangover 3 is a comedy, but it's also trying to be a crime epic. You have, like, John Goodman showing up and being, like, a serious, threatening gangster. But you even have, like, War Dogs, which was the film he did before this with Miles Teller and Jonah Hill. And I like Jonah Hill's performance in it, jo- but... Jonah Hill's performance is very kind of comedic yeah. as well. And where 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 work works works well Imagine Jonah Hill being Joker. Now, that would be something. No, but I mean it seriously, like, as playing it like that. That's, you know, that's the thing, because, like... <laughs> 
he knows what he wants from this for this specific Joker, and what he wants is the auteur ness of it. Mm. It's not about creating something new. It's about oh, it's, yeah. harkening back and getting the kudos for being very good at retro styles. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that, that's the thing is that like according to Phillips and like this is where we push and pull and before we tip our hands because we're going to ask in a moment what we all thought of it very broadly but without tipping the hand too much one of the things I kind of admire about Joker is the fact that that's sort of again Phillips maybe not the best spokesperson for this because there's a sense of like conceitedness in the way that he describes it but the way in which he managed to get 50 million dollars from Warner Brothers to make the kind of movie that they don't really make anymore yeah. um, and using that to make a movie that would without the branding associated without the Joker branding without the DC branding it would not be breaking Venom's records it would not exactly. be north of $750 million sorry $750,000 the Irish box office this weekend no. you know it would not earn its budget back it would be forgotten and brushed aside and using that to make a like film, a most violent year that's what well, it's, it's actually very very much like a most violent year like i mean it's the film doesn't which i love by the way i, I love but, it too. But, but like that's a a a kind of a a, a sort of a, a movie maybe not 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 similar to this but but kind of has 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 a sense of of of, of being this kind of like mood. period yeah uh, place and mood sort of, yeah. but it's yeah, not yeah. a the thing about a very violent year is that like it's not a pashti and i feel no. like this yeah. is like too of an homage to well, you know those well, guys. like not, it doesn't it's really... not american hustle either like, no but that's more of an overblown uh, american hustle is like it was i watched a bunch of Scorsese Scorsese movies, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and actually i like weird that comparison. i really like it's like a martin scorsese movie by a weird al yankovic <laughs> that's <laughs> very true very i feel true. like i i can't take credit for that i think i might have heard somebody say that much. um but no no it's a very valid comparison this though is like i'm kind of i'm think i'm between the two of you on this where i think that it it is like in fact you mentioned a most violent year this is very conspicuously set against the backdrop of 1981 which was the most violent year yeah. it's normally set in gotham but it's again it's like most versions of gotham it's transparently new york city i mean like not to get too spoilery but there's a discussion of wall street guys they're repeat yeah, which characters. Is bizarre. <laughs> does gotham have a wall street um <laughs> they just like, call it wall street because you call the street that you have the fi- fi- financial district in wall street like you call main street <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> just uh, this sort of generic pattern but it like it is and like it's very much it is a style like it's it is a stylized gotham it's very it's i would argue this is quite close to say tim burton's gotham in terms of being it's about evoking like um, a cultural memory or a fantasy of a place rather That's than the it. real place. Yeah, yeah like the way you would do that with England. Like there yeah. is no post World War Two cricket yeah. lawns. Everybody having tea. That but it's that. It's that it's, version of nineteen eighty one New York because exactly. it, it, it is nineteen eighty one because later in the film there's a cinema that's showing uh, Blowout, Blowout and showing Zorro the Gay Blade, which were both released in nineteen eighty one. The garbage strike um, in the film is quite candidly the December nineteen eighty one garbage strike that takes place. Throughout the film, there's the cutting of social services um, and a billionaire who is running for office, which kind of, again, recalls the fiscal crisis that was happening in New York in the late 70s and early 80s as well. But like the thing about that is that while it's anchored in this idea of 1981 New York, much like Burton's Batman is, you know, filtered through the lens of German expressionism. 
um, and sort of like very much kind of influenced by German silent cinema. This is is like Scorsese's version of New York or kind of Friedkin's version of New York, just filtered through a kind of a heightened prism. So, yeah. you know, and like we'll talk more specifically about references as we go on. But the film is, you know, off the top of my head. You know, King of Comedy, Taxi Driver, The Exorcist, French, a French Connection, connection is, yeah. is a big one as well. I, I thought The Exorcist as well. Yeah, The Exorcist that. Steps, it's The yeah, Steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like it's very much like Todd Phillips loved movies of the 70s and 80s and got to make one. And this it's, is it, because yeah. it feels like, I mean, when I was watching it, not to say that it's, a, I don't think it's a bad film, but I just feel like, to me, it would be like one of the uh, a film that you go, I'd love to make a film like this, and then that's mm-hmm. how it would turn out. And yeah. it's not subtle. No, you know no, I mean? it's, it's not. really not subtle about <laughs> these things. And if, if for another filmmaker, I think those influences would be a little bit more melded into the story itself. But I do think he's kind of being a coward in a way by not putting it into contemporary. Well, not, society. What I mean, I really feel that about is the, it though, what we're having this conversation about. Is like, it though kind of is it is it trying to draw some sort of a parallel between then and now, and 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 kind of I would be, be because of the way um, history kind of like goes in cycles, but I'm not certain that that there that there is much of a parallel between then, then and now. in those terms. Yeah, because no. people talk about the late sixties. And, and now, now, like 1968 as, and the, yeah. the summer yeah. of the riots in Chicago and stuff like that yeah. and you know the, the civil rights protests and the you know corruption in the and White House and all this upon a time in Hollywood yeah drawing those of, connections kind yeah. of explicitly yeah. um, because it was it, and, and it, 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 was, it was marking the kind of um, transition point or yeah the, or the, 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 the sense of, of a long kind of a, a, a period of um, of uh, prosperity really yeah. That it, that it, but that's is it, all is things are starting to kind of unravel. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, this is the thing where, and again, this is where I feel like I'm splitting the difference between the two of you almost in this ever the diplomat here. But I like the comparisons that Joker is drawing between then and now, and this is why I find the discourse, uh, and it's I have to say that in inverted commas, why I find the discourse so exhausting about it is that like I think what Joker is doing and i think what it's doing is smarter than its detractors would claim that it is but not as smart as todd phillips thinks it is um but what it's doing is it is sorry it is contrasting then and now right it is doing that but it's not doing that in like any statement about society it's not doing that in any statement about the world in which we live it's doing that with regards to cinema it's very much drawing a connection between and we won't talk in terms of genre. It's drawing a connection between the kind of gritty urban street vigilante movies that you would have seen in the late 70s and early 80s. You know, obviously Taxi Driver, I'm thinking of, for example, but even things like Death Wish Death to pick Wish. an example, yeah. but even even like uh, movies like You Want to Take the French Connection and like drawing a connection between those and modern superhero movies. Because like Phillips is, and again, this is one of the things where Phillips is probably his own worst salesman. Well, that's the thing is, 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 is that this movie, so like I... I I don't think I either. Um, well, I'm not certain it's as smart as the movie that Todd Phillips 
thinks, thinks it is. No. But I think it's smarter than Todd Phillips. <laughs> you know? Yes, I kind and, of agree with that. And in that's a sense, that's 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 it's like a transcendent movie. Because he's managed to create something from somewhere that, that doesn't kind of exist in his yeah. conscious mind. It's very, yeah. very true. So it's, like, it's, it's a singular... Like, this is the thing where people are talking about Joker. And okay, let, let, let's jump into the three questions. Yeah. Right? Right. Okay. So, Jen. Yes. Keeping in mind that this is currently number nine, the ninth best movie of all time, according to IMDb. And by the way, only the second highest new entry we've had this year. Infinity War came in at six. Uh, sorry, Endgame came in at six. But do you think the Joker is one of the 250 greatest movies ever made? Jesus. Um, no. I mean, uh, no, I don't think so. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I remember you were initially hesitant and then we're like, no. There was a question mark because I was just thinking. I was like, well, you know, I mean, I, Joaquin Phoenix is so good. I can't stress this enough. He is amazing. Uh, and I, I love what he does with something that is very much one note. I mean, it is. There is nowhere else for him to go but off the ledge. And he does it really, really well. Or ledger, well. if you will. Oh, nicely done <laughs> but i don't think i think there's way you know it's a really good performance fine but i i don't think for me enough to make it one of the you know 250 best films i don't think and andrew i mean i like given given something like the likes of kind of endgame and infinity war which 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 came in you, yeah. you know relatively like, high yeah, yeah very that. high yeah given 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 the likes of that i did kind of be inclined to say yeah why not yeah it's because 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 for me this is a more it, it interesting movie yes, in some ways i would those. agree with that entirely um, um but having said that think of the movies that aren't on it yes. so yeah. the, like the well the, the movie's atomic the, think of like the, the french connection anything, is like, was it when we had yeah. when i was talking we were talking to our, our previous guest the guest that we had earlier in the day about this and he was like yeah i mean like the argument for putting joker on the 250 is that now you don't have to feel bad about not having uh, the french connection on there or network yeah but 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 also even aside from those movies that it's homaging the movies that it's using to get made like uh, yeah. Batman and Batman Returns yeah. That, yeah. Are, that aren't um, are, uh, Batman Begins isn't on either is it? Batman Begins is on all three Nolan Bat- films all are on. three Nolan movies are yeah. on right 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 yeah that, that's the thing I would but like because I quite like Batman I know you you very much like Batman Returns Returns yeah and I know you have a soft spot for Batman and Robin. Don't don't, don't you, you, into this. Don't you like it more than you like Batman. Yes, forever. yes, okay. I do. Yeah, um, yeah. To be absolutely clear, <laughs> um, to answer to answer that question rather than sort of like dodge but, it like I okay. So to, so right. does that mean that it should be on? I like uh, almost as a protest, but to keep it off until those better movies <laughs> yeah. get on. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But but um, I feel like it's his first. But it's not right. I feel like this film is his first pancake. Um, and it kind of, he will, because it feels w- way too bound to those other films. Yeah. I feel like he has to do something else that establishes him as this kind of director. Right. Then, you know. I, I, like, again, this is the thing where I feel really crappy. Like, it's like being mean to Todd Phillips. Where it's like, like, he it. makes it very, I, he makes it very so easy. easy. He makes it very easy for me to be mean to him, but I don't want to be. And it's like because the the, the problem is then that 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 you fall into the pattern of the oh, kind yeah. of people that he's yeah. re- feels Critique. that he's there to rail against. Yeah, and like and, that, and like, that's um, true. Yeah. yeah, and like I I really like this. Being honest, I didn't think Todd Phillips had a movie this 
good in him in terms of what it was. I was afraid it would be much worse than it was. I like this. I actually was surprised how much I like this. And I feel bad that a lot of me is wondering how much of that is because of Phillips or how much of that is, as you pointed out, did Phillips make a movie that seems to be a little smarter than he is in that regard, you know, without being too mean or too pointed about it? Either that or maybe he's made some calculation about kind of um, how, how he's going to kind of... Um, the uh, whole Joker uh, press tour is a performance art. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I, wouldn't put it, I, wouldn't put it, I wouldn't put it past Joaquin No. Have you read some of the Joaquin Phoenix interviews for this? Yeah. Where it's like, I... He's a, a really difficult interview subject, yeah. He's, he doesn't like them at all. He's no. extremely uncomfortable in any of those situations. So... I mean, they're not also the greatest publicity for this no. film at all. Like, but he's, I guess he's, a, he's a hippie kind of. Well, well he's he, a, he's his, a parents, his family left. His family yeah. left a cult. I mean, I've um, loved him since he was Leaf. Leaf. Yeah. So, from Ruskies. Yeah, and from Parenthood. Let's Ooh. not forget. Yeah. Um. So yeah, no, but I'd say he's sorry. His name was Leaf. Yeah. Really. Yeah. He, I thought Joaquin was his. his no, Joaquin wa- and Leaf, Leaf wasn't even his birth name. No. Um, what happened was he asked his mother if he could change his name. She said, "Ask your father." He went out. His I'd father was ra- his father was raking raking the the garden, and so he's like, "Can I change my name?" He's like, "What do you want to change your name to?" Uh, Leaf, Imagine and then he was, was Leaf Phoenix. Rake. <laughs> <laughs> rake. It was so different. Um, but yeah, yeah, like I mean, and the thing about the Joaquin Phoenix interviews is. He doesn't help himself. He he doesn't help, but there's like, unlike the Phillips stuff, where Phillips is like openly openly hostile hostile and confrontational, Phoenix, Phoenix's awkwardness, I almost have a soft spot for. Like there's the Itzkov interview with the New York Times, right? Where you have like the full spectrum of Joaquin Phoenix experience, right? So I've seen interviews with him where, 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 like, uh, where he comes across quite he did uh, a good Kimmel. interesting and well. Yeah. What? He did a good one on Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, where yeah. he faked yeah. he faked his little tra- set tantrum. Yeah, where he they were they showed footage that was allegedly from behind the scenes of Joker of him yelling at like various sort of doing a bail. Yeah, doing a bail basically, <laughs> and then like he was horrified by it, and he sort of like he I don't know if he ended the interview, but it was very awkward afterwards, and everybody was like, oh, "Look, see, it's proof that he's awful," and then it turned out no, it was actually all staged. Yeah, um, but like I've read say, something kind of on him recently as well though. anyway sorry but like the the Itzkoff interview with the New York yeah. Times which is one of those interviews that kind of runs the spectrum where on the one hand you have like the moment where Itzkoff asks about his father and he's like my father's dead you, yeah. you, your research didn't bring that up and he's like no it I, it didn't you should do better research for this um, I can't believe you, you didn't know that my father was dead and then afterwards while they were leaving um, and waiting for wait wait, wait 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 yeah Afterwards, when they were waiting and kind of waiting for a taxi, Phoenix turns to him and says, uh, actually, I was I was joking about that earlier. I was just kidding. Uh, you, you fell for it, right? Um, and he's like, yeah, that was that was kind of weird. It's like, yeah, it's, my dad's fine. He's, he's in my mom. It's grand. Don't worry about it. And then as the taxi pulled up, um, Phoenix paused before getting into the taxi and said, actually, I was joking. He is dead. Um, and- <laughs> And it's cost fact-checking afterwards confirmed that he did in fact die. It was a very private ceremony. And like part of me kind of, that, that there's that push and pull with him. But but I think that push and pull with him around subjects like that is just because of the heightened focus because of River Phoenix's death. And yeah. it's like, it's like you guys are so hungry for the backstory of yeah. my life. Why don't you go out there and find out about it? 
or else leave me alone. Yeah. And I think that's a really valid point and I like the way you did that in and, that interview, to be honest. And even 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 in the Itzkoff interview though, like there's the story of Itzkoff like messing up the interview, like getting stuck at a press screening or the screening running late and having to do a phoner with Phoenix as scheduled. Phoenix picking it up and going, oh, where are you? So it's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm stuck at this place. He's like, no, no, tell me literally where you are. I'll come down in the car, pick you up and we'll do the interview then, which is like a remarkably generous thing yeah. for an actor to do exactly i mean um, i think because he had that really weird unconventional lifestyle when he was growing up where they did have to go out and kind of get in new recruits for the children of god cult uh, sect whatever you want to call it that you know he doesn't have that same kind of trajectory and because tragedy befell him at such an early age as well with the whole river phoenix you know death dying young in the way that he died and having the press using that 911 phone call every oh day, yeah yeah there's that a dialogue there which is horrible it's horrific but yeah. also it has made him you know obviously wary but it's also made him a different kind of interviewee yeah. you know someone who's not it's not just the, the boring kind of tired bail egotism of I'm not going to play the game kind of thing it's actually rooted in something that's real and emotional and I think that's why you know he is very careful about the way he is but also why he's so interested to do that and, and does things like be very generous like that because it, half of him is couched in being a very normal person you know and understanding you know those emotional cues yeah like we, we've been very like candid about like crit- critiquing sort of Philip's response to the criticism of the mm. film what's interesting is when Phoenix was confronted with a question of like well, what happens if this inspires violence? What happens if somebody, you know, is inspired by this to commit an act of violence? He end, he ended the interview. He walked up, he got off and he left. Took a moment, then came back and sat down and said, what would be a good answer to that question? And obviously, film Twitter jumped on him for yeah. that. And part of me is like, I feel like that's a an almost reasonable response for an actor yeah. in like, what is a $50 million sort of like, you know, I'm making a tribute to 70s film. It's like, you've asked me to make like a big, important, profound statement. I'm not comfortable doing that. I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to take out, I'm going to come back and I'm going to say like, what do you expect from this question? And I think in a world of like pure patter that yeah. you can do on those junkets, that it is kind of thoughtful yeah. because I think Robbie Collins just expected him to try to, you know, the party the standard line. feel, yeah. yeah. And because he didn't, it so, kind of, it freaked him out as well. Yeah. So I think that's a really interesting, you know, yeah. way of seeing it. And I think it is, yeah, maybe do stop and take a breath yeah. and think about what you want to say. It's like, was it when you read interviews with Kieran Culkin around Succession, Ugh. which are, they're great interviews. Go for Roman. But, <laughs> but like he literally, he'll pause, look at the PR person um, in the corner of the room, turn to the interviewer and say, we haven't workshopped this answer, so it's going to sound <laughs> stupid. That, that is which another I love. showbiz family hang-up, though, I think. Like, yeah. if you look at their kind of the opposite sides yeah. of that divide, the showbiz divide. But did you hear what Kenneth Monaghan said about Kieran Culkin? Oh, the, I He's read that piece. He's never seen a film before 1980, and he yeah. thinks they don't exist. Yeah, and he, he accuses Lonigan of liking black and white films to <laughs> make himself sound more intelligent. <laughs> Like I have to like I we'll include this. the link. It's it's I think it's it's for is it is it New York Times yeah. magazine or but we'll include it in the show notes because it's a really it's affectionate. It's lo- you can tell that Lonigan loves Culkin to death. Such an odd <laughs> odd person. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, back, back back to talking about Joker and whether or not it kind of belongs on the list of the two hundred fifty greatest movies. I don't think so. I think there are enough Batman movies on there. I also think that the movies that inspired it, you know, probably have more right to be there than it is. I kind of agree with Andrew where it's like 
you know, if you have to have a superhero movie from this year on there, this is probably as good as you're going to get. It's not as good as, say, Into the Spider-Verse, but I think it's a better fit than something like, for example, Infinity War or Endgame, that sort of stuff, you know? I'm kind of glad to see this there over those, but generally speaking, no. And and the other thing about Infinity War and Endgame is that they're very kind of comfortable. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas this is... Uncomfortable from yeah. the outset. Rides. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, executive producer Martin Scorsese. <laughs> Which is great. By the way, you know Martin Scorsese was signed on as an executive producer of this originally, and he dropped out um, allegedly to work on The Irishman. But also um, because he's like, I think I did this work before. Yeah, this, I think I'm okay with this. This all seems very familiar to me. Yeah. Um, it was funny that Bradley Cooper was involved as well. Um, the, didn't he uh, produce it? Oh. Foxy from a, well, a Star is Born, there is a connection between this and A Star is Born as well. Like, there is that sort of... Am Warner I wrong? Uh, let Brandon me double Cooper check. did produce this, didn't he? Oh, we'll see now. To the fact machine. Well, we're going to ring him. <laughs> Our friend Brad. Bradley Cooper, Brad. friend of the podcast. Always. <laughs> Let me just read the read Bradley Cooper's number out loud on the podcast. He won't mind. He's that kind of guy. Our friend Brad. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he probably is because... You're, you're right, yeah? Yeah. yeah. And we're back from the fact machine. You're right. Bradley Cooper is actually credited as a producer. <laughs> He's like, let me tell you what we did on American Hustle. <laughs> let's not do that. <laughs> yeah, let's do something completely different. No one has a perm. <laughs> <laughs> That's the big difference yeah, that here. that is the bigger difference. <laughs> um, and then second question, Jen. Yes. Would this be on your own list of your own personal, like, 250 favorite movies ever? Listeners can't see the look that Jen is giving me here. No, because I think, you know, in terms of, like, Joaquin Phoenix performances, if I want to couch you in that, I mean, I think, you know, Lynn Ramsey's, like, You Were Never Really Here here. is one of the best things I've ever seen him do. And that got literally... No, no nothing, yeah. nothing. Yeah. And I actually went to a talk, like just a Q and A that she did afterwards, and just hearing her talking about is that the film festival one, oh, the infamous I have was, a statement. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was intense. Um, Sorry, listeners I can't turn myself inside out. Like I actually wanted to quantum leap. Uh, <laughs> myself, oh boy, myself, <laughs> myself and Jen have a shared experience yeah. now. It's like living through a war. <laughs> <The> war. <Yeah. laughs> we were there. It is one of the worst Q and A's that I've ever. My generation didn't have their own Lynn Ramsey Q and A. Compared her to Andrea Arnold, which was great. I was like, oh my god, please let my face melt off. But um, yeah, no, just in that, you know, I think there are so many much better performances from Joaquin Phoenix, and also much better films about this kind of, you know, mindset. I don't really think he's saying anything which is that's what worries me he's like there's a lot of stuff that he puts out there in the film yeah. but you're never there's never anything where he's down on one side ever I, so it's a bit like it's a cop out in it, a way it absolutely is a cop out i would contend i didn't hate that i was a, i didn't hate it but i just yeah. it, it made me kind of go this guy wants every we want it every way this is the thing where again this is where we talk about like a push and pull that exists yeah. where it's like on the one hand i totally get that and i feel the same way it's like this is a film that and we'll talk in the spoilers about how it is particularly calculated so it's evoking something like taxi driver yeah but taxi driver pushes a very specific set of buttons Mm. that joker seems keenly aware that it can't push in 2019 without like you know literal riots or whatever happening you know sort of like without whatever reaction we've got so far going through thermonuclear so the film 
stops just short. And we'll talk in the spoilers about how specifically it does that. But part of me is like, that's an act of cowardice, creative cowardice. It's an act of like, it's a betrayal of the films that you are drawing from to a certain extent. However, the other part of me, and this is the part that maybe Andrew will appreciate on some level, I think, because, you know, we've talked a little bit about how I'm, you know, straight down the middle. I don't have your rovia streak, you know. I don't have your sort of trollish <laughs> sensibility. But part of me kind of loves that Joker almost seems, despite the fact it was, like, shot before the whole cacophony around it happened, yeah. but the film almost seems pointedly aware of the noise around it and almost seems to be trolling it. Like it it almost feels really smug. Yeah. It's very <laughs> smug. It's a real kind of self-satisfied sense I get off this film. Oh, yeah. Which well, I just, I, that for, makes me dislike it. But, I, but I, I do like it. It sounds like I don't like it. I thought it was a fine film. But I just don't think it deserves as much in-depth craziness that it is generating. Generating and being a part of. Like, yeah. But it, it, it seems almost prescient about itself. Yeah, that, yeah, that's it exactly. Like, like I mean, like, there are conversations in it about, and not to get too spoilery, but like you can't send them out to a crowd looking like that; they'll go wild. Yeah. And it, and like part of me is like watching, like having been on the internet while Joker exists. I'm like, this guy, he gets it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Give him a promotion. And it, the, that's kind and of, I kind of kind of an impressive work of art that it, it can kind of anticipate itself well, but, it's it's easy, yeah. but it's easy to maybe anticipate it is. itself because maybe. You're, you know that's like shooting fish in a barrel like because like, you're going oh lonery you know it... misunderstood guy of course it's going to have that narrative around it like of course it is so i yeah. don't think he's that clever to be like what that, that's the oh thing where i'm wondering God, this is going to be amazing <laughs> like, this is where well, back to the is joker smarter than todd phillips conversation yeah. <laughs> but no i mean but yeah it, it i i guess kind of i think what you're tr- tr- what what I believe what you're saying is that it maybe deserves some credit for being uh, daring or not being daring. No, I don't think no. it's daring, but for being calculated. Like I think it's canny, and like again, canny is a word that you can use both, like you know, pejoratively, but also as a compliment. I think it t- it takes the temperature of the room that it's in very, very, very well, um, and I think that it knows how far it so can it's push. Not the roguish kind of. Uh-huh. Well, that's that's the thing. It's very calculated. It's very calculated and very carefully calibrated. Like it reads. It's meant to annoy oh, people. It's to a certain yeah. That's it exactly. To a yeah. certain extent, it feels like it's designed. I was talking to Scott Mendelson, who's the the film critic at Forbes, about it, and he he observed that the first thing he thought about after seeing the film was, which he liked, by the way, and again, I I liked as well. So this is not we're not like bashing the film or raining on the film's raid. But the first thing that came to his mind after watching Joker was a quote from The Simpsons. It's very rebellious in a conformist sort of way. <laughs> exactly. That is it. Very much. But I do think as a blockbuster, that's okay. Yeah. That's that, exactly. that it is okay to be like that. Because yeah. as you said, it is interesting to have something like that in a multiplex and have people going to see it off a Saturday night. It's not the type of film that you would normally these days have. Yeah. So... I mean, I guess in one way, that's a kind of plus point to it. Yeah. But but the, the sad thing about it is you have this arena, you have the people going to see it. You're not saying much, though. Yeah. You have the audience, but what do you, what do you say but to them? Maybe it is saying stuff, or maybe in spite of not saying things, it is... But that's a I, I, I think it feel. I think it has the kind of capacity to whip up um, teens and college... Uh, 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 
freshmen and like they did they, 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 they or even the kind of like um i i was watching it and i was thinking of kind of like being being a bit younger kind yeah. of watching movies like it's this, a very teenage sensibility that, yeah yeah the it's world very, is against me it's, it's a very 250 movie yes well. yeah yeah which is why it's nine like yeah. i mean <laughs> we, we talked about like i mean i've been you know, Darren Shock is a numbers nerd who likes numbers and lists and statistics and stuff. Having built, you know, helped Andrew build a podcast around like a list of movies. Well, but he's a machine who who forms movie opinions. <laughs> you just pop one in and out pops yeah. a movie opinion. Yeah. Um, but like, I was watching this. Wh- well, the I internet was like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the internet, like the internet's reaction to this. The internet was very. The IMDb was excited about this from the get go. The moment. You can vote on movies on IMDb as soon as an audience has seen them. The first screening of Joker was at Venice in a theater that had a capacity of 2,000 people. Within 24 hours of that screening, 9,000 people had voted on Joker and given it a rating of 9.6 out of 10. When I checked on Wednesday, that's the day, sorry, Tuesday, which is the day before it was released in India, which was its first market, because it was released in India before it was released in the States. I saw it on Tuesday nights at a a preview screening, at a press preview screening. Um, (laughs) But like it had 18,000 votes already before anybody who had bought a ticket had actually seen it, if that makes sense. Like this movie was kind of coming for the 250. Like Andrew, today when we were talking about organizing this podcast, Andrew, who is maybe learn to question me a little bit, maybe learn to be a little bit sort of guarded about when I say we're covering a movie. It's like, Darren, is Joker actually on the 250? Keeping in mind that it literally only opened yesterday. Uh, And it was a fair question. Um, But yes, it arrived on the 250 at noon on Thursday. Because it has an inbuilt, already made audience that are, you know, seeing this as a reflection of whatever themselves or yeah. some kind of yeah. like basically this film is going to be stripped for parts it's like they've got three memeable quotes in it that are going to be everywhere well, gifts. All, yeah. gifts. Gifts. Like, but the quotes are everywhere already on twitter like i just did a twitter glance like this morning and all of those quotes like are, are there the three like main one the one about like the mentally ill person you know with the, like that was on the new york under sorry that was on the london underground this morning the london underground had that quote about mental illness from the film um yeah. which again it's not a spoiler so it's the worst thing about having a mental illness is that people expect you to act like you don't uh, which was the quote of the day at one of those London subway stations you know the ones where you have the board so I mean it already is iconic in that sense but in a very and I mean there's the wonderful Twitter account which is one of the like we've talked about the Joker cacophony and we've been very negative about Twitter's response to the Joker but like Joker dances the Twitter account um, which is great it's that sequence of Joaquin Phoenix again it's in all the ads so it's not a spoiler but dancing down the steps that look like the steps from The Exorcist but it's repeatedly scored to various other bits of music whether congruous or not my (laughs) personal favourite and perhaps it's informed by the whole is Joker an incel movie is him dancing to I Just Had Sex by The Lonely Island but this is my this is my film I what before like just when it was announced I just called it Sex Clown because that's I all I could think of was because I love Joaquin Phoenix I was just thinking of Sex Bomb by Tom Jones and just supplanted it with Sex Clown and then it made it even better that it was a very incel friendly film because I was like great this all works for me. And we have then, a sex clown and he needs to get laid. That's it. And I could be that person. No. But <laughs> then after 
after I went to see it, I, I was I, all I could think of was I really want a supercut of all the dance sequences yes. in it because I mean not only does it have that whole thing where you know dancing is dangerous like in a Clockwork Orange, like I love that kind and of dancing physicality. Is yeah. yeah, there is the amazing physicality of of Joaquin well. Phoenix, yeah. and this is just so striking and extremely hot. Okay, well, that, that was going to be preempted my question. We're going to go all format there. Joaquin Phoenix as Joker, hot or not, would he get it? Oh, very much so. His eyes are like gold. Gold, his I eyes. tell you. Yeah. Not, not, not the, the chin or the No, hair he's got the, the... these amazing eyes. And I do believe that, yeah, just that whole physicality, that the, what he has put his body through for this film is outstanding. I mean, in body types, it reminded me of Daniel Day-Lewis in, in The Name of the Father. Which makes which sense, we have actually. Covered. Yeah, which we Our covered. second movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Jen's torture board. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Is there a very Jen has a very specific, specific type? type. Yeah. My friends Sex call it twig in a wig. That, wow, that, this covers it. This pretty much covers it. But I do, I do love uh, that kind of almost. Non- and now we have a two fifty playlist title. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but it's non. It's kind of. It's it's quite feminine. Feminized. Oh, it it's is with the long hair yeah. and again the body that's kind of. It's not. It's, really narrow it's not built in the style of like your Chris Hemsworth or Chris Evans no. or Chris Pratt where Which it's like, a, like a Dorito chick yeah. um, this is very much built in like a way that you associate a woman's sexual yeah. body to be built, and he looks like it's a real like a mangy Christmas turkey look off it like when well you, there's like grease and it's kind of shiny yeah. and sweaty and, and when he contorts his body by the way listeners can't from what I'm describing it sounds like this should be a deal breaker but Jen's just getting like, hungrier yes. Jen would gobble that turkey <laughs> up I definitely would but there's that scene where he's in like the dressing room and yeah, literally and the shoe. his body yeah, the shoe. Like, and it looks like a terrible Christmas turkey his whole back yeah. and it's and your, eyes are popping, your eyes are popping out of your head Sorry. your tongue is hanging down this is good we should always 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 do this at, just for any kind of film like this is it a twig and a wig film yeah, that's what I want to know five out of five um, and Andrew, would this be on your own personal 250? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I I I I would probably I know this is a cop out, but I think I've said it before for yeah. movies. I'd probably appreciate some distance from it in order to kind of judge that and maybe a, like a second watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's done enough. I generally know. Yeah. Um and um if it was on, it certainly wouldn't be number nine. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but 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 like I I I got a lot I got a lot out of this movie, but it, there wasn't what 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 I tend to tend to like in kind of um, these uh, films or plays or what or books or what have you is um, having um, a movie that does a a couple of things. Yeah, and I. I think this movie does actually do things well because it work seemed to work well with me, yeah. and I feel like I was able to to see what it was doing, but at a kind of a remove. Yeah. But also appreciate kind of that that um that I'm um an onion and that one layer <laughs> of the onion was was being prodded in 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 a very kind of specific way exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah um and yeah i i don't think it would make my own personal 250 in terms of batman ranking batman movie i'm rankings, complicated Darren. Yeah. that's what i'm saying i'm like podcast that other hosts are not like onions <laughs> Um, yeah, um, but, with uh, the tattoo on my forehead. Yeah. Oh, you're damaged. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I do. 
Like, again, yeah, I, I don't think it would make my own personal 250. In terms of, like, if we were ranking Batman movies, it would probably rank somewhere around eight, maybe nine on the list. Oh, below it's a nine somewhere. Somewhere, yeah, <laughs> in terms of Darren's Batman movies. <laughs> so it's below the three Nolan films. It's below Batman Returns, Mask of the Phantasm, and Batman 66, um, which is, you know, I love Batman 66. What it's about great. Batman itself? It's probably somewhere on par with that, probably. I think Andrew's looking at listeners can't see Andrew looking at me, but he's looking like he's about to say. You have to put that number one for the Prince soundtrack. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Darren. When you introduce me on the podcast, can you call me Joker? <laughs> but uh, all right then. And then final question, right? Um, would you recommend if people haven't seen Joker, should they go and watch? Yes, it? definitely. I mean, if like you have to, if, if you're anyone curious about film in that way, you have to see it. I think it, it definitely warrants a watch for sure. Even for like the cinematography is out of this world. It is beautiful. It's beautiful to look at. I saw it in like the iSense uh, on a massive screen, and I, it just it leaves you breathless sometimes. The camera work is it's Lawrence Sherr, I think that's yes. it, and it's just phenomenal and i think yeah. for that alone it's a cinematic experience and it definitely deserves to be watched and his performance is amazing yeah. i mean like again all of this gets lost in talking about like the film you know in terms yeah. of incel stuff and even in terms of joaquin phoenix's performance yeah which is understandably generating a lot of buzz and deservedly so but the film is staggeringly it's well made. i mean the the lauren share cinematography that you mentioned yeah. is amazing the texture stuff i saw it on uh imax and i saw it in iSense as well and there's just so much there the use of shadow the use of lighting the use of kind of the color palettes that are there Uh, but even like in terms of just basic production and i really 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 apologize in advance darren is not good at pronouncing names uh, but this is going to be a tough one anyway the score is the score is amazing yeah and it's it's hildur gunadotti Gwena Dottie, yeah. is it? Oh, okay. It's like from Iceland. I can't even <laughs> pronounce Iceland. I was like from Iceland. Because don't, um, don't they do that? They put son at the end if there's someone's son yeah. and Dottie if there's someone's daughter. daughter. Like, yeah, yeah. Bjork. Yeah. Uh, it's Bjork something Dottie, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. What is Goodman's Dottie. I love that I handed Andrew, I handed Andrew the phone. Andrew's like, I how am I was wondering su- when you were handing it to me, why are you doing Yeah, this? no, that's it. Andrew's like, what word am I supposed to pronounce on this screen? And then his eyes go and it's like, yeah, that's the word. That's the word he's asking me to pronounce. Are we going to say it? Like, <laughs> Try it. Hilder, Hilder. Uh, but yes, Hilder's score is amazing. It um, is it, it's really wonderful. It's got this wonderful, it reminds, again, it's, it's very much heavily influenced by those movies of the 70s, but with the rumbling bass yeah. and sense of dread. But even things like the sound design in the film, which I noticed the second time watching but it. But also, can I just say, okay. the most disturbing thing, the most shocking thing, I think for a lot of people, and this is a spoiler, I'm sorry, close your ears now, about this film for me is the use of the story of rock and roll part two. Yes, yes, that Which is. Which I know it's a tune. Don't get me wrong, but couldn't they have thrown in some early Slade or some other glitter band kind of thing instead of using the glitter band Gary yes. Glitter for this scene? Like but it's very strange. This is one of the things. This is one of the things where I'm, you know, because earlier I was like, it's being a bit trollish and a bit sort of teenage rebellion. It's yeah. rebellious in a conformist sort of way. The part that's the one part for me where I'm, and again, this is where I'm like turning into the guy Todd Phillips is, is talking about or wagging his finger. At, I did do I'm a like, sharp inhale yeah. though when I heard when the I was like, because I was like, they can't be doing this. Well, the only reason 
it, it's one of those things where the only reason to do that would because it's not a 1981 song it's, no, it's a 70 70s song. Yeah. yeah and like it's not as if the like the character at that point has been a glam rock fan and as like joker dances twitter account i'm sorry we're giving it another shout out <laughs> demonstrates you could score that scene to with anything. like almost anything and it would be amazing the choice of gary glitter convicted pedophile mm. um to score that scene feels a little bit like like Phillips is doing that tweaking of the nose thing where he's like, I got a reaction I, from you. Because I didn't get that. Oh, okay. Sorry. Oh. Okay. No. Well, then myself and Jen. No, I, no I, I, I should have probably sorry. clocked that. It was a, a Gary Glitter song. But I think even if I had, I mightn't have. But you could uh, jam in T-Rex there. You could jam uh, in early like, Slade. You could I, do any of that. Like you don't, Or, you know, early. I just had sex. <laughs> or like early. Um, what was, who was I thinking of there? Like anything like in the early 80s. You know, Maloo, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're that. we're not we're not saying that it's not a tune. No, it's a great no, tune. No, actually, yeah. like it's like it's, and it works. It, it annoys like, me so much because I really do love that song, yeah. and it's been so long since I've listened to it that I was shocked. And I know it's a big American song for like you know matches and stuff, but like also, well, they've, not they've the stopped most doing that. Like, I person for like you're not thinking, oh, Joaquin Phoenix is this big sports fan, so yeah. you know I don't really have that connection with it. It just felt really strange. Well, that's the thing is that like for me, it felt like that was a point at which the movie was trying to get a rise out of me, and it kind of did, which means it yeah, worked. But it also work, yeah. it was transparently doing that, if that makes sense. It was like because. We mentioned earlier, like a lot of the stuff that I like in the film is like, oh, you can't send him out, and like that, yeah. which feels like the movie playing with its own reaction, which I I really liked. I like that yeah. provocative aspect of it, but it's a bit where it's like, yeah, but you're playing the music of a convicted pedophile. Like it used to be played at sports matches, matches, but it's not anymore. It's not played at sport matches anymore because it's the music of a convicted pedophile. We don't want to give him money. That's yeah. the worry, and the worry, not worry, but the thing for me is this is going into the consciousness now of people that have no real connection to it, but they love the film or whatever, and they will put this back into Spotify and put it back into the charts and whatever, and it will earn him money, and that's what I don't like about it. Hmm. I, I just, I, it was just the cynicism of it for yeah. me. Like again, again, like, I speak as somebody. It's weird because it, I feel like I'm being hypocritical. It's like I like a certain amount of cynicism yeah, on the film's part, so but only so much, only within yeah. a set boundary. I want but Gary I Glitter to have as much money as he does now, but yeah. no more. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> I feel like you articulated the point I was having difficulty expressing. Um, that is not my position to be absolutely clear. Um, but yeah, I feel like you know if. I'm drawing like a boundary and the boundary is giving money to pedophiles. I feel like that's a reasonable, like not Darren isn't being Darren Killjoy Mooney or Darren Scold Mooney or Darren Woke Mooney or Darren Far Left Mooney. I like being described as a woke scold. I think it sounds hot. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love it. What, what about a woke scold uh, twig and a wig? Yes, there you go. Perform your wokeness on me. Yeah. Uh, all right, we're going to... Oh, would I recommend it? <laughs> <laughs> would you recommend it, Andrew? Yeah, absolutely. And I, 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 I maybe, maybe I'm surprised. I guess that people aren't uh, watching this movie. Yeah. Um, well, this is the thing where I went to see it with two crowds, and what's amazing going to see it with those two crowds is that. And I talked about this when we talked about Endgame, which is Endgame is not a movie that I love, but I have a soft spot for it because I watched it with you know, three or four crowds and watching those crowds have the emotional reaction that I didn't have because I'm a robot uh, that's programmed <laughs> to generate movie opinions. But because I didn't have that emotional reaction to it, watching them have the emotional reaction, hearing them crying was deeply affecting to me. Like it was, it moved me that they were moved by it. You should have seen Titanic in the cinema when I did. A girl actually was carried out. She was crying so much. Oh. Yeah. 
I hope she's okay. She's probably not. And, <laughs> did she at least get to the end? Um, and then she got to just... the, the, the point where, spoiler oh, alert, where she, she let go. She <laughs> let go. She, she never done. left the cinema. She just held on to the door. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I Which like could it. have fit two people. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, like that sort of thing is that... Um, and after Joker, what was interesting was the reaction wasn't during the film. The reaction was afterwards because I was running for a bus both times and so I was moving through the crowd. Not at all like a creepy eavesdropper <laughs> at all like any character in this film. You're but like I was a Google home. <laughs> I'm just, just always listening. Like, yeah. But like listening to people talk about it and listening to people. And again, this isn't because it's what Jen mentioned, right? Which is, I think that like, you know, You Were Never Really Here is a better movie than this. I think it's a better Joaquin Phoenix performance than this. But I think that you're never going to get people. It's it's a hard sell to get people to go to the cinema to see it. When I came out of Joker, I was listening to people have like conversations involved about the movie in a way that I don't normally get when I'm leaving cinemas. You know, normally it's like, well, that was pretty good, wasn't it? That was that was pretty good. This is like, yeah, they they did that thing. I that was rather weird, and I guess it was kind of brave. I haven't seen them do something like that before, and this sounds really condescending because it's like we're like, oh yeah, but they did all that stuff in the eighties with Martin Scorsese. But we remember, not everybody has watched every movie ever, sure. um, and not everybody has like a full knowledge of Scorsese's filmography, and that's fine because people have lives and stuff, yeah. and like people have other commitments, and not everybody spends their life watching movies. So I really liked coming out of this movie and hearing people go, yeah, that was, I, I didn't know how to feel about that. Um, or, you know, I didn't expect that. That wasn't what I was expecting, but that was, that was weird, but it was, it was good. And it, that's sort of like conversations that I, I'm not used to hearing on my way out of but films on this scale. I think, just to play yeah. Martin Scorsese devil's advocate here, is that because you don't normally hear those conversations because people are going to theme park that's well, yeah, it's the part movies. To a certain extent, I think it probably is, and I like again. That's the thing with the push and pull of Joker, where a lot of the panic—not panic in inverted commas, but a lot of the anxiety around Joker from some film of it could probably be, be classified as panic. As panic. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we not talk... as someone who's not on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, even panic is even reaching you. It's just permeated. It's kind of radioactive. Like yeah. we talked a little bit. Of... It, it, the, it's like it's much easier to um, for for a traditional news outlet to just go and see what's happening on Twitter and let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah, and yeah it's, it's so much true. easier than to go out and kind and of speak to real people. People who actually have real have opinions. Like but like, at science one of the more games. interesting kind of discussions that came from Joker, one of the more interesting anxieties around Joker, let's call it an anxiety around Joker, from film critics in particular. I'm thinking of like Jessica Kayang at Vulture. Yeah. She's a great critic. Really, really yeah. like her work. Really recommend it. Uh, which sounds, I like Andrew's like, he's prefacing this because he's going to say something that sounds really mean in a moment. But she was talking about her reaction to it being one of anxiety because she wasn't sure how audiences would react to the ambiguity of like a 70s or 80s thing, which I found very patronizing. It is patronizing. I do think it's patronizing. Um, But underneath that, you have people like Matt Sollerzeitz who are talking about like this idea of superhero movies cannibalizing other movies, where it's like the only way to get this movie made is to make it a Joker movie. The only way to get people watching this is to make it a Joker true. movie. But, and but it's I think a very that's... thin skin on this, making yeah. it a, a comic book, you know, an inverted commas film, because I, I, I think he's trying not to. In, in, in every way, he doesn't want it to be a comic book film. But So this is why I'm saying he, he wants to have his cake and eat it too, because it's like Gotham, 
in inverted commas. You know, it, it's really, he's just trying to make his taxi driver. Yeah. And it happens to be a clown, a sex clown. <laughs> a sex clown. A t- <laughs> twig in a wig. Um, and I, I kind of, we'll talk about this in this and I kind of go the opposite way on that. I think it is very much a superhero movie. Mm. Despite Todd Phillips' anxiety, Todd Phillips spent a lot of the press tour going, oh, we're not, we're not, we're not doing Joker. I, I, I can't stand superhero movies. They're just so loud. I, I can't. I turn them off halfway through. And I'm like, Todd, shut up, please. Like, just stop. Stop talking. <laughs> um, but like, you know, and it's like, well, we wanted to make a serious film that was very important, not like other superhero movies. And I'm like, look, I don't like certain superhero movies either, but, you know, just don't be that guy, Todd, please. Um, sorry, that sounds like I'm just Darren sitting at work talking <laughs> to his screen. Um, but like, what's interesting about that is that I don't, blame joker for that i don't blame the movie for the fact that it has to be a superhero movie to get made like that i don't think it's joker's fault that the only way you can get people to see a movie like this is to put a joker skin on it i'm a little bit martin scorsese about this because it makes (laughs) me feel like you know we're he is paying to paying homage to these adult films yeah and it's like how like that this is the only way we could get these serious adult films eyeballs on them as many eyeballs as possible and that's really sad and I do think that's really sad because if you have to kind of truss it up in a, a cartoonish kind of way what does that say about cinema goers now and I mean I know it's like ostensibly of course entertainment whatever but I do feel he does have a point and he has a point about craftsmanship as well because he just thinks they're being whomped out like every minute of the day like that's what and it they, feels and like and it does feel like that when you watch the but, I, feels but I do think spinning. I do think there is craft here though like I think this is oh like, no I do think yeah. this is yeah. but that's what I'm saying because it's kind of bent into his style of cinema yeah. but I understand like it has yeah. to have that veil of actually it's part it. of this you know yeah. comic book world yeah. which is kind of sad couldn't we apply that same like criticism though if we were going to go back uh, to to kind of like Cersei Leone kind of like you know um like why 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 can't you kind of leave those Kurosawa movies um, yeah. alone yeah, yeah. because uh, westerns were just like coming out like uh, thick and fast yeah. and there but were like, there's, there's, there's too many westerns this is the, kind the problem of that's what we're saying it's, there's it's too like, many superhero films why, why, why do you have to sneak this kind of like interesting kind of um, well I mean even uh, like The Godfather and again yeah. we, we've talked about The Godfather a lot also, and The Godfather pulp novel is a gangster film but the novel is just pure Lord well always the yeah. books you know that yeah. make the good films are the ones that have a good you know trashy kind of yeah. structured simple plot line yeah. like if Rose it's Bruce written Bain. by Michael Crichton <laughs> 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 but not um, not uh, what was that movie um, oh the one with Congo <laughs> that's the one you're going for not uh, not was it Sharon Stone and Michael Douglas in was Ooh, it Disclosure, Disclosure. Is that, the one I'm thinking? <laughs> um, that was Demi Moore Dem- Michael, oh Demi yeah, Moore Demi Moore was sexually yeah. harassing Michael Douglas in that film yeah. <gasps> Yeah. Can you believe? I, I love those Michael Douglas thrillers. is always yeah, getting sexually harassed. Yeah. Um, He's just in, so in, harassable. And in his real, in his, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm not going to say that. I, I knew exactly yeah. where you yeah. were going with it. I think I we all knew exactly where you were going um, Anyway. Um, that's how he ended up with throat cancer. Oh, God. I think it's what we're going. Listen, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> too much. Thank you for doing it for me. <laughs> just jumping on that. Yeah. All right, then. I think that about kind of wraps up in terms of the, the, the before zone. We're going to go. We hope you'll join us on the other side of the smart zone after these messages. Exciting new Gotham Lady perfume. It makes women feel like women. And the men have no complaints either. 
Boy in the zone. So, Jen. Yes. What is Sex Clown about for you? It's <laughs> about a very sexy clown who lives with his mom, as all sexy clowns do. Does he and give it to you when you need to get along? He does. He always <laughs> does. In a nice suit, and then sometimes lying on the couch with exposed ribs. Love it. Lying um, in bed with his hands down his pants. <laughs> God, I love that. And I like bet he feels nuts. in one hand. I love that. Because I was like, where did that cigarette appear from when he answered the phone? And I was like, I had that a second ago, Joaquin. Um, no. It was down his pants. It was down his pants. And I was oh. like, where was he keeping it? None of the cigarettes were actually there. They were like his fake They girlfriend. were never really there. <laughs> <laughs> he constructed an elaborate... Like, I love the idea that Arthur is so nerdy that his fantasy self smokes. Yes. Like, he has a girlfriend and he smokes. <laughs> what a big shot. Because yeah. it has inappropriate smoking because it has him smoking a cigarette to the to bus. To the end. And then, yeah. and then going over to the social worker and then coming back where he's presumably smoking the filter yeah. at this point because yeah. he's still smoking it. And yeah. isn't like even outside the hospital and stuff like that, I don't know if he smokes inside the hospital at one point but I wouldn't put it back. He did. He's sitting at her bedside yeah. at Francis Conroy's bedside and he's you know, plants away like, yeah, why not? Um, <laughs> she's a mean mommy at the end of it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, the jury's still out on smoking at that point. Yeah, <laughs> 1981 when the film Come was on. as opposed to now when the film was made. But again, this, uh, there is that sense of Phillips being almost kind of like trans- transgressive in the sense of like really liking the aesthetic of 80s cinema, yeah. where you have this because again, you have the thing where the Marvel, where like when um, was Joe Quesada came in as editor. He insisted that people like Wolverine couldn't smoke because it was a bad thing for children. And understandably, these are characters that are child friendly. Phillips has talked about like even when doing Joker, he'd have like, you know, executives from Warner Brothers saying, but, you know, this is a character we put on kids like pajamas. So don't go too mad, Todd Phillips, Um, which is interesting. Uh Oh, what a rebel. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But those shots of him smoking cigarettes, which look really cool. You know, I'm very shallow. But I I gave up. Uh, smoking for the just before our um, what should we call it uh, Twin Peaks uh, Daffodil Day um, uh, marathon. Um, so 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 slash formative trauma. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So so um, but watching this movie, I really wanted to go out and buy a packet. And also, it's so nihilistic. It's <laughs> nihilist, like, why not? Donnie. <laughs> that's literally what this film is it's yeah. like literally yeah. Yeah. Up in a sense. say what you will about national, the ethos of national socialism Tony but at least yeah. it's an ethos say what you want about Antifa <laughs> yeah. but at least it's an ethos but that's that's the thing that's exactly what I'm getting at there which is when I say the film comes up to a line because again in the hubbub around it before it was released like from the opening trailer there was the whole is Joker an incel movie question mark you know from the right you had is Joker an Antifa movie you know where you have like the eat the rich kill the rich I love the the newspaper headlines which are literally kill Kill the rich rich. a new movement Um, (laughs) from the Gotham Journal um there like, are some dodgy lines in this film as well. Like just, just script writing wise, it's it's very leaden. But um, like, I love that you know, despite the fact you have this whole hullabaloo around it, the film is very, very carefully crafted and structured to avoid certain trip lines to avoid committing one way or the other to any of its ideas. So, for example, like. Is it an incel movie? And in particular, like in the context of talking about it around films like Taxi Driver. Would it, would it be more boring if it was, though? As, 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 <laughs> no, as, as, as in like the, 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 
the kind of ability of this movie to be these things um to different people is is maybe something to well, I think that's what the like again I think that's something that people hate about it yeah. um and and yet I I think if like thinking about it as a movie and and not thinking about it as the question kind of posed to Joaquin yeah. Phoenix about kind of like what impact a statement or yeah, yeah how yeah. It, like should 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 a movie just kind of like as a piece of art be able to kind of uh, evoke something about um uh about uh, I guess extremism without being um specific in 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 what kind of extremism that it's that it's meant to evoke I I guess I well I mean this is the thing uh, where like it's obvious influence to say Taxi Driver right and Taxi Driver is very and again it's not it's not when we say explicit it's not explicit in the sense of like travis bickles like oh i'm a white supremacist now but it is he like you know shaves his head apart from the mullet so he becomes a skinhead to a certain extent he targets black people primarily for example he's openly racist and his attitudes towards women are you know openly misogynist so he like the film is painting a very specific image of like white male disenfranchisement and in terms of which is not what well, this is and yeah. isn't. Well, that, that's there, it. That's there, about... There's a strange kind of a... We get it. Like, he's not taking Sassy Beats to a porno, basically. Yeah. Like, it's not that explicit. Do you know? Yeah. And it's... It, it, but that's the thing, because Todd Phillips wants to have it every way. He wants to appeal to Republicans as much as he wants to appeal to the left. So he wants to say that, you know, mentally ill pe- people shouldn't own guns. But then he also wants to say, hey, rich people are bad too. You know, and, and social that, services cuts yeah, are bad. Exactly. And, you know. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, that I kind of, I almost like like that to a certain extent because but I, it seems fuzzy. It doesn't. I'd rather it have a more sharp. Point but of is view. that is that the problem that kind of Todd Phillips is trying to address, whether consciously or unconsciously, is is that this this movie is going against the grain of kind of polarization. That that is part of the kind do of. Do you reckon, or do you reckon it's know. just like I want to make as much money as possible? Like so I say, I don't make everyone happy. I'm wondering, kind well, of no, like, I, does this movie work on levels that are really? conscious or unconscious? Well, actually, kind of, I, I, uh, just to Jen's point there, in terms of like, I want to make as many people happy as possible. Part of me almost thinks it's the opposite. Part of me almost thinks I want to rock, to rile up as many people as I can without crossing any any boundaries or lines. Because this is the thing where, so let let's talk about it in terms of like, in terms of it being an insult right the film alludes to this in a number of ways and suggests it in various ways like from the fact that he he's a loner who lives with his mother he immediately is attracted to a woman in his building who is a single mother um and he to the point where he stalks her he follows her around all day he invents a fantasy life you know with her you know in a you know in a virtual space to a certain extent he builds up this imaginary version of her you know he's these when he's dancing that's you know by himself, by himself but it, it's explicitly repeatedly framed in sexual terms i mean dancing generally is seen as being something that sublimates sexual desire the tango famously was danced in argentinian brothels by men who were waiting for their turn with the the prostitutes there but even here when he's dancing he's holding the gun at one stage and the gun prematurely goes off in case you don't get what the symbolism <laughs> here is but also worth noting the only the only other person with whom he dances in the film is his, his mother, mother which again gets at that psycho sexual it's stuff that Ed runs Kemper, yeah the, sort like, of runs the ending to her life is quite Ed Kemper in a yeah. way like but yeah and, and that's what sets him off for yeah. example but even things like the fact that when he dances he's explicitly sexual the yeah. thrusting 
the th- when he's dancing down the stairs, the the sexual thrust is a cornerstone of his particular dance that movements. Made you repeatedly. Uncomfortable, uh, or did you kind of like it? I mean, he was a twig in a wig, baby. Um, <laughs> I just want to. Well, that's that's you know, dancing rhythm timing. It's very important for your sex plans, I think. Yes. Um, but. <laughs> But even even things like, for example, those shots when he's waiting for the call, not when he's waiting for the call, when he gets the call from the Murray Franklin show where his hands are down his pants and you're wondering, you know, what has he been doing uh, while we've been waiting for that sort of stuff? But the film stops just short of that. uh, And it's very careful to avoid getting like tied into that incel stuff. So, for example, um, it shows that the people who are sympathetic to Arthur, the people who are most sympathetic to Arthur are people of color. So for example, even Brian Tyree Henry shows up for a scene as an Arkham administrator where he's reading the file. And like, it's very clear that he's sensitive to what, you know, Arthur's going through yeah. in a way that other people around him necessarily aren't. So he's like, like you know, the you police should... officers are yeah, really callous and, and yeah. uncaring. But like the, the administrator is like, you should, you should talk to some, I'm just a clerk, but you need to talk to somebody. Or even when he reads the file and he's like, this is your mother that I'm reading about here. I can't give you this file. Yeah. Like, because up until that moment, he's happy to hand the file over and then he sees what's in the file and he understands that this will not be good for Arthur to a point, you know, because it's very clear. Like he says, oh, I can't legally do that. You need to sign out and get the documents. But like he brought the file up there. It's very clear that up until he reads the content, he's ready to hand yeah. it over, which is very sweet and very sensitive. But even things like, for example, the the women of color who are presented as like a psychotherapist, for example, or his, his social worker at the start yeah. who's there. And, you know, he says, you don't listen to me. But she is checking in. She's making sure that, you yeah. know, he's taking meds. She's reading his journal. She's monitoring him to a certain extent. And it's only when those services are cut and he stops taking his medication that he kind of goes over the deep end. So and there's to speak. an association between them as well, yeah. where it says they don't care about us. Yes, as well. Yeah. And then yeah. Equivalent but said, then again, we do have the, the scene that kind of creates his anger, where it is a lot of kids of color who that beat do him up chase at the start. him and beat him up and, and break a sign, and that gets him fired. And even that, even that within that at the start of the film. You have the other clown, um, who's played by Remus from Boardwalk Empire, uh, Randall, played by Glenn Fletcher. Oh, that uh, guy from True Detective. There's yes. two True Detective. There's a lot of there's film. a lot of through lines here as well. <laughs> yeah. But like, uh, Randall is like they're animals, and like yeah. even then Arthur's like they're just kids, as if yeah. to say like he's not I'm he's not that he's not. person. And but like, they they suggest that kind of like anger with my minorities as yeah. well in this movie because like even even like the scene on the bus where yeah. where he's he's making faces to the a child, child and yeah. then the, the the mother mother is kind of yeah, yeah. rebuking him on it but yeah. i mean even even outside of that the fact that like the the scene that where he becomes joker where he sort of becomes a pulp hero is the subway scene where he kills three guys that is very consciously evoking the Bernie Getz case from 1984 in New York, where a man shot three teenagers on a subway and became an ur- urban vigilante kind of hero. They were all but black. that's it. Getz yeah. shot three black kids, um, and that became like a huge sort of racial sort of like quagmire in terms of the, the film very cannily avoids that by making them three Wall Street guys. Who despite- are singing Sondheim? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's I was like, yeah, I would have shot them. How did they even and, know that? And they couldn't the carry a tune. They work on Wall Street. Yeah, they go to Broadway. They're They go to Broadway. Because Gotham's Broadway. Not because they like Broadway, but because <laughs> the tickets I, are difficult to get. Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. a yeah. yeah. I mean, I would have preferred if they fest. just had a song, The Story of Rock and Roll Part 2 in his face then. <laughs> that would have made more sense to me. I love, I love the idea of the Wall Street guys working in their sort of like acapella thing. Exactly. Like West Side Story, just sort of 
do 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 do. Anyway, but, but like even even that is is like deracialized by the film very yeah. consciously. But say for example, Sophie, right? Sophie, who is this single mother who is played by Zazie Beetz, who's black, and she's the object of his affection. He's drawn to her immediately. This is where it gets interesting, right? Because she is barely in the barely in the film past a certain point and barely sort of like there in terms of being like a real, real person. person. She's she's a figment of his imagination for real later on. But in that sequence, when he goes into her apartment after he's had the really bad day, you know, I had a really bad day, he says as he's sitting down on the couch crying. And, and I that, really, really think as a single mother and a, a black woman, she should have went, are you <gasps> kidding me? Because I would have. <laughs> no, but, but, but even even then, the film is very careful. Well, first of all, it's clear that she's terrified of him, and quite rightly yeah. so. It's a stranger in the apartment. But also even things like the way in which she's she is sympathetic. Can I call someone for you? Is your mother there? Can I? And again, like a lot of that is, you know, to a certain extent, glad handing him because he's a stranger in her apartment yeah. and he's a man. And in those situations, you want to be very careful what you say. Mm-hmm. But there is a sense of like almost she has sympathy for him even then. And this is where it gets interesting because I've seen the movie twice, right? That is the last appearance of Sophie in the film. And the scene cuts from him on the couch, turning around, realizing that it's all been a lie to him leaving the apartment and going back to his own. And I'm wondering, does Sophie survive? Is Sophie dead? Did he kill Sophie? Because there's a sequence at the end where the film does something very similar, where he's in Arkham talking to the therapist. And the therapist is another African-American woman. And, you know, he's like, I'm just thinking of a joke. She's like, do you want to tell me? You wouldn't get it. But then the cut from that is from him looking at her across the table to him walking down the aisles in Arkham with bloody footprints being chased by guards. And you're wondering, did he kill the therapist? Did he murder the therapist? I would imagine so. Yeah, yeah. And and the fact the film knows to keep that off screen in terms of its portrayal of violence against women. He does murder his mother on screen, but even that is kind of less showy or less sort of like the film is less indulgent of it than it is in say the beating up of men and the, the, the two detectives and the in the train car and so that it feels very calculated like it's it feels- a weird one because in one way i'm like yeah i don't want to really see any more violence against women on screen but at the same time if it did have a, a proper a, a, allusion to that it would make you kind of feel like you're down on one side of you know as a point of view you're kind of questioning like this guy as you know being built up as some kind of hero throughout the film so it's a difficult one i don't think the film builds him up as a hero well, they though. do think, in okay. a way like i mean he's you're supposed to empathize with him yes like you are, yes. that's Very what i mean sympathetic. like yeah. yeah that's more like what i mean like that you know he's like he's a hero who is villainized basically so yeah like i don't I know think, if he's a hero i don't i, think, I don't well, disagree like in that aspect um, of it yeah. there is like I think that you are sympathetic to him and you do it's more pity I think like yeah. it's more like you feel sorry for him and you hope that he gets the help that he needs rather than you hope I don't know I don't okay. I think I think there's a certain um, amount of dark wish fulfillment in it, in it yeah. as well yeah. I do well, yeah. that, that's the thing it's like it's just that you don't have these wishes <laughs> oh, okay so <laughs> because I am a robot that forms opinions I think uh, but that, that's the thing, like, that's the other side of it, right? So, you know, we talked about how it's kind of an incel movie, but it's careful not to be an incel movie to yeah. a certain extent. It's the Antifa move, movie where it's 
like it's built on this tension of like class warfare in Gotham, the whole kill the rich, Thomas Wayne being disconnected, the idea of like the guys in the subway who are jerks to women because they can, where they're throwing, you know, they're throwing chips at her yeah. across the subway because they can. Well, they because- say as well, um, this is an interesting thing because of how it positions it around whether it's an incel movie is that the guys are throwing chips at, at, uh, at her and they're saying, come on, I'm a nice guy. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. like but, sorry, before they've thrown the chips at her. But yeah. it, but Talk to me. You owe it, me a conversation. Yeah, exactly. He's being nice to it's you. It's around this kind of like idea of, of of male entitlement yeah. where where they're 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 kind of you know I I'm um actually actually I um I understand you and I support all of the kind of things but you then support. She's, now will will will, will you, you have a conversation me, please, with and me, maybe yeah. have sex with me? But yeah. then um, she's looking yeah. at him. She's looking yeah. at Arthur. What, yeah. yeah, to get some kind of you know help from him. Mm. You know, and that's the other kind of incel viewpoint is like, you know, you're spending your time with these guys over here, these Wall Street guys where I could be the one to help you. That kind of yeah. vibe. Hmm. It's very, it's a whole little incel sequence there. Although I, I do think that like even say that the sequence with Sophie avoids that by having an absent father. So it's not as if he's resentful of the man that she chose over him or anything like that. I was yeah. thinking when he walked in that he was walking in on that. I was thinking that 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 this was going to be like his worst day ever. Oh, <laughs> Where, <right>. yeah. <laughs> he discovered that she was cheating on him, or whatever. exactly. Yeah, um, but yeah. like, and that that would kind of be like the point at which the movie tips into being <laughs> full, um, on. full, full on, full on revenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, even like in terms of like its criticism of like the rich and the wealthy. Again, if this is an alt right movie, it's probably the only alt right movie that has advocated for higher taxes. Because um, it's very much like we need to bulk up social security people, which I like. Again, is a is I kind of admire the movie going there. It's rare to have like a vigilante urban thriller that's like. You know what? We need more structure Taxation. and more tax. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this power fantasy needs more government interference. Bring back big government. But even things like, so for example, the use of modern times, this idea of a man being crushed by a larger society, and the idea of like a populist uprising, which again is something like Nolan dealt with in The Dark Knight Rises. And you have the sense of like Joker becoming, or like Arthur through Joker becoming an avatar for this kind of class warfare thing, this kill the rich or eat the rich sort of yeah. thing. And again, the movie like the incel thing, it avoids being too overtly one side or the other. Because so like, he's apolitical. That's a, he, like, like he literally says, I'm not political. Which is such Murray's a cop out. It's so frustrating to me because he could do so much with that uh, if you had decided. Doesn't it manage to do that without doing that? Kind of... Um... But he, it, I, I don't know. I just feel like there's so many little cop outs in this and especially I feel like if you don't if he had to put it in a contemporary setting, I think it would have been so much more interesting and so much because he wants it to. It is though. He, like, wants, he, like, he wants to. Like that in, whole, you know, going viral almost like when he's yeah. on, you know. With the clip, well that's it. Yeah. Like the Murray, the Murray Franklin clip of him at the comedy yeah. club is an is the one element in the script that doesn't work in a 1981 context because no. like one of our friends from Pogo sent this over it's like comedy clubs in Gotham just send us random yeah. clips. See, that, that's kind of set up though. We yeah. see that in the green room, yeah. there is a there feed to um, to show like a closed circuit television yeah. of the of the um, yeah. But so no, no. But in terms of plot, it does feel as Jen said. It feels like a viral moment. Yeah. It feels like these yeah. days you'd have somebody hand Murray the phone and he'd put his glasses on. And he'd be like, exactly. "What's this?" sort of thing, you know. And they'd be like, "Oh, it's it's all the kids are doing it this day." So that's why I mean, he has that element where he wants to 
cake and eat it like he just wants to have everything and you can't like you have to that to be certain decisions made to you know push it in one direction or not and I feel like that's why it's kind of it's a bit chaotic in itself like but I also just as an aside I do think that his stand-up is brilliant in an avant-garde <laughs> way and I think he'd be massive like yeah, I think he would go viral Andy in Kaufman. a good way yeah, yeah exactly I just wanted him to keep doing the laugh and keep on laughing at his own you know never getting the joke out because he's so funny would have been a brilliant stand-up act. Well, that's, that's the thing I was sitting there particularly during the Murray Franklin uh, sequence where he's on the yeah. show and everyone's all like Dr. Sophie uh, is that her name or like a Dr. Ruth Standen. yeah Dr. Sandra that's yeah. it is Dr. Ruth Standen where she's like oh you can't joke about that yeah. and uh, you know Robert De Niro saying that's not funny um, that sort of stuff but like I was watching that and I was thinking and again Andrew may bristle at this because I know you're a fan of alt comedy but I'm like wait is Arthur Fleck inventing alt comedy in 1981 this idea of like comedy that's based around kind of the idea of not necessarily being unfunny, but like playing with the idea of being funny rather than well, yeah, conventional I, old fashioned humor. Because I think a lot of Andy Kaufman is isn't that funny, but um, <laughs> but, but but it did the idea of it, it did allow funny. kind of a um, a different sort of a sensibility to and 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 was very sort of um, avant garde. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. I mean, like Arthur Fleck would have killed on Comedy Bang Bang. <laughs> he did kill on Murray Franklin to be fair but I also think that's just a really heavy handed way of Todd Phillips saying you know everything everybody's too woke now uh, you know. yeah there is an element of that to the and chat that is just like I mean, a big bad clanger for I, me I was like oh I God. didn't mind that though because like it's very like this is the thing where the film if the film had had like the, and I, maybe it's the way Phoenix plays it. I also like, I want to give Phillips credit in terms of how he shoots it as well. But the sequence on the show where Arthur has his big moment where he's like, oh, you cry for these guys, but you'd step over my body in the streets. Like Net- that network. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but it like, that would be a moment. It would be very easy to play as like a clear cut heroic, you know, that, that thing, the, the meme that's gone round about Joker, where you have the picture of Ross with Joker makeup on going, get a load of this society. Um, it could be this sort of like, he's right on, he's righteous. But the way in which the scene plays, you have the audience's kind of gasping reaction to it, which immediately sort of sets you off. Um, but even then you have the way Joaquin Phoenix plays it, which is incredible, where it's not a righteous, like it's not like a stirring moment. He's not Bane in The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. He's you not giving... literally understand what he's saying. Yeah, he's not giving... <laughs> oh! But he's not giving this big speech that's going to be cross-cut with footage of like people uprising. In fact, the entire scene is set on the studio set. It keeps you anchored in there. You're not going to get cuts of people marching through prison. You're not going to get shots of, you know, Sophie having to collect her welfare check or whatever. This is just like one guy whining on television. And I kind of, I admire that aspect of it where it doesn't, try to present him as like a righteous dude where it's not like maybe he has a point maybe he does have a point theoretically but the way in which he's voicing it and one of the things i again this is the thing where the film is very careful in how it couches it he's not he becomes a political symbol and he likes being a political symbol but he doesn't like it because of the politics it's not about politics yeah. he likes it because he's he attention he's a symbol yeah because he's famous now because he's become kind of branded and he's accomplished like he's become fame like I just thought it should have had like a, the tagline why be famous when you could be infamous you know that's just <laughs> so what it is about I'm ready for my close up now yeah, Mr. Exactly. Phillips I don't know I like because I 
I which thought, feels I, really shallow. I mean, I know what he's like. I, I, even in a comment on a commentary level, it feels quite shallow because if you are dealing with these big ideas surrounding mental health, surrounding like you know, left leaning society or anything like that, you need to have more than it's just a film about this guy who's a big mad attention seeker. But I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't like again. This is the thing where I kind yeah. of like. I kind of like that it's like. It's this cacophony around a guy who is just an attention seeker, which, and again, this makes me sound, I don't want to sound like the worst bro or the worst sort of like the worst, most shallow person ever when I say this, when I was like, get a load of this society. But it's like, finally, it, people are seeing the real dark. <laughs> finally. It took Todd Phillips to bring it, bring it out. out. But worst, like, worst bro. <laughs> but like, the worst bro ever. But it's it's the bit where it's like in this day and age where everything is so loud and everything, including this film, becomes a cacophony around it and it's deafening. And before anybody has seen a frame of footage, everybody's decided what it's going to be and what it's going to be about and what it represents. And it's an incel movie. It's an Antifa movie. You know, it, it's going to glorify gun violence. It's going to give us another narrative about a sad white man who, you know, just needs to be loved. And to be fair, he does it literally... Really does. He does does literally say some warmth dad a hug maybe but i mean like you had all this t- playing out before anybody had first of all before anybody had seen the film but even after that before anybody in the public or anybody voicing these opinions had, had seen the film as well and the whole film became this weird thing where everything was projected onto it and like as much as i think there is an, i think you're right that there is an element of cowardice to yeah. the way the film sort of dances around this it does like there's a sequence in modern times where charlie chaplin is skating up to the edge of the kind of rim and never falling over and the film is very much doing that it's, it's a yeah. very good metaphor for how the film is approaching these issues like getting a little also, close to that just to say so cute in that old timey or outfit <laughs> that was like I was like why did none of the reviews mention this that would have been my headline <laughs> sexy usher wait hold on and so, wait, in terms a of like cost, hat in terms of cost okay so would you keep the joker suit and just put on the usher hat we're, I was we're, disappointed we're just clarifying in case any of our listeners like are this type wanna, I love yeah. to objectify sad men <laughs> no, well we I, have a lot of them I would love to yeah, put them on the podcast too I don't know too. why he didn't he took the hat off I was like keep the hat on keep it on I love the idea that like during that like Eugene would be to Murray it's like you can't send him on like that he's got clown makeup and an usher hat I don't get it Dad will be uh, like unable to resist uh, how cute I am yeah. <laughs> in, in, in this little usher outfit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, Littlest usher. Son. Yeah, <laughs> finally. Yeah. You fulfilled my dreams of being an usher. Um, but, but also, can I just add it in on that, just costume-wise, I was looking up on uh, Twitter, uh, not on Twitter, uh, just Googling, like just Joker in general, and there are jackets on sale. Big time everywhere the jacket the like, red the jacket anorak, like they're kind of the mustardy oh. colour yeah. oh, anorak yeah. you know the anorak that he just walked yeah. around the city in that's what you're branding from the film I'm I just know. like it's, it's so odd I, 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 I love that Warner's are like we yeah. got Joker pajamas but we also <laughs> got Joker cardigans it's a bit like the army surplus jacket yeah. from the oh, oh, okay, sorry. This yeah. Is it. Yeah. 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 so yeah I was just interested to see that that was a big deal it's but like and again this is like back to Darren being the worst pro ever I'm sorry but like the thing that I kind of like about it is that the movie became this kind of weird object that had everything projected onto it and I like that at the center of this is Arthur who really just wants a dad um but he, he really gets... just wants a shag as well I mean both <laughs> not at Maybe the same time but, but he <laughs> just a by the way does 
sorry, tangent, sidebar here. Does the film imply that he sleeps in the same bed as his mother? Because, like, later on... I think he sleeps on the couch. Well, that, that's it exactly. Later on, he sleeps on the couch. Yeah. Um, later on, he's, like, got a pillow on the couch after he's murdered her. But, like, he sleeps in the bed while she's gone. Part of me wonders, like, while she was there. And because he bathes her and stuff like that, does he sleep in the same bed as her while they're there? Oh, God. Because um, he's, he's, he's got his hands down his pants in the same bed, by the way, to be clear. Um, is it the only bed in the place? Come on. That, no, it is. Like it, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> from being worse bro to worse son. <laughs> um, but anyway. But no. I just, I, there is this whole, like, the tired, that's a real, you know, it's such a tired serial killer trope now of, like, blaming yeah. the mom. And I just think that was such a, like, that whole sequence of whatever the file and uh, about his backstory uh, was just unnecessary. I like the fact that, you know, when you've seen the Joker previously, like, say, with Heath Ledger, like, he's a mystery. He just yeah. appears. And I know this is an origin story, duh. But at the same time, I don't. I we don't need this. We just need to know that he is chaotic. Yeah. We don't need to know where this stems from. I, I actually kind of like again. As this is Darren being. I like that I transitioned from worst bro to nerdy bro. Let <laughs> let us decide if this is the worst bro. Um, but like I like that the reveal, like the film pivots in a certain direction early on which is kind of interesting where he very transparently wants a father where like he fantasizes being at the murray franklin show and it's like show and tell and he's like i love that joaquin phoenix body language where he's kind of rocking his physicality in this film is unbelievable like like, his walk is fantastic he's like oh i don't know um but like where he's like you know the fame the fortune I give it all up to have a son like you. And they hug. And it's like he very clearly wants a surrogate father. But even then, like, Randall, the other, like, abusive clown who's apparently been giving him crap forever and has been bullying him and, you know, maybe played a part in getting him fired. I love that even he's like, I'll take care of you. You're my boy. And you can tell that's literally all it took to get Arthur on side. You're my boy. And in fact, like, and even then you have Thomas Wayne as, like, the surrogate father, as the potential father, where he's like, God, imagine if I was secretly, like, from wealth. Imagine if I was secretly like And he born says to... I don't want the money. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, but I just want warmth and a yeah, hug. Well, uh, <laughs> but like from daddy. <laughs> yeah, that, um, but like I like that like after doing all of that the film then gives you an origin and again this is maybe no, where... your mom's trash. No. Okay, I okay, don't okay, like that narrative. Okay. Because they were I like the thing that they had an us against the world kind of dynamic between him and Francis Conroy who's exceptional as yeah, always. Great. But and I hate the fact that it then pivots to like it's all I, the man's fault. Well, I, mean, I, I don't I, know though. I, but I feel I, I find that's really I, basic. No, like, yeah, no, I agree with that. But I, I find that there was just enough, just the tiniest sliver of a suggestion that actually um, it was true. Um, it like, was I mean, true. Like and, you have and, the, and the, you have the, the photo suggestion. with um, look lovely yeah. T yeah. W on the back. Yeah. Well. And the suggestion in the interview that that uh, Thomas Wayne, a powerful man, has somehow like doctored or created those kind of records, uh, adoption and, papers, yeah. or and like, like created the, a narrative. But that, the instability of your mother creating the instability within you. I just I'm like oh lads come on now. Like, mm. I just would but rather that hadn't been a part of it. To, to, anyway. to be cl- I feel a need to clarify after that, that wasn't what I was saying that I liked, to be absolutely clear. <laughs> 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 to draw a line. What I was saying that I liked... It's worse than that. <laughs> it is worse than that. So much worse. Like, as a comic book nerd. But I like the fact that it goes to... It gives you these origins, and then it goes to a point of 
adding this first of all this ambiguity where it's, it is like you know is is he really thomas wayne's son possibly but the fact that he's say adopted he has no birth name and so as a result you get that kind of and again this is maybe being cynical and having the best of both worlds where it's like he literally can be anything he can have come from anywhere he can be which i kind of like i kind of that's it, it it's it, it's either he's uh uh, Thomas Wayne's son, or he's a another superhero trope of of being an orphan, yeah, and of yeah. like being um uh, Batman or being the Penguin or 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 being Robin or um or being um Superman. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. Peter Parker to a certain Peter extent, Parker, well, yeah. even even Tony Stark. I mean, like, this is the thing where Jen mentioned about like putting a superhero film on top, and it it absolutely does. But I think it's more of a superhero film than even Todd Phillips would like to admit. Well, I've got to say, one of my favourite scenes in it, what is a superhero-y part of it when he goes to Wayne Manor, I think that scene is gorgeous because it reminds mm. me of that sense of foreboding that you have in the Gene Wilder Willy Wonka yeah. when he's coming down the steps through the gate. Yeah. There's something really... Uh, the presence Honest. of that gate between the two of them is just terrifying. And he does that so well when he's walking behind the wall yeah. oh, the, the little moment between the two yeah. I, I just loved that scene I thought it was yeah. brilliant um, but in terms of like the, the comic bookness I would argue that Joker is almost an inverted comic book origin story and that it follows many of the same beats and structures so for example you know comic book origin stories are typically about well you have a dad you love him he's dead you gotta become your own man so think of for example you know Ben uh, Uncle Ben dies so Spider-Man can become Spider-Man or Thomas Wayne dies so Bruce Wayne can become Batman so but even things like say it's Iron more Man. about Martha because <laughs> yeah. as we discover in this movie Thomas was a piece of <laughs> <laughs> Thomas really was the worst like, yeah let's yeah. talk about Thomas your Wayne your dad's a bag of crap <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> where he goes on television defends the three assholes he's like just to be clear I don't know them personally in case anything does come up that might incriminate me or ruin my campaign but you know they worked for me so I mean how bad could they be? I think that he should have been Alec Baldwin. Yes, because they, yes. they wanted Alec Baldwin. He was cast. He was dropped he? out after two days. Oh, yeah, he, he was kind of, to underscore the kind of like Trumpian parallels of yeah. the billionaire running for political office. Yeah, it, Alec Baldwin was cast and then dropped out. Like it was literally two days. Um, due to scheduling complaints, um, I would have loved what, to that. go on SNL and play Trump. <laughs> yeah. do, what, an, like perhaps a comedian who can do a good impression of Trump might want to he do. Would love to be roasted. That <laughs> yeah, that was like sorry, sorry, gotta drop out. Uh, take Brett Cullen. People love Brett Cullen, right? Uh, you know, and Cullen is there. Like, no, no, like face. He, yes. he can read lines. No, Cullen works. I think well enough in terms That's of. Great though. I think. I think. Like, I, I do think. Baldwin, Baldwin would, would have been, been very would have been Baldwin yeah. would have been amazing because he would have had the baggage of being Baldwin and like Baldwin being an asshole has like extra weight to it because like you because can kind of is yeah uh, whereas yeah. the thing that Cullen brings and I kind of like Cullen you is, imagine Liz Lemon writing letters exactly <laughs> <laughs> years years later, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we used to work together <laughs> and I told it turns out <laughs> <laughs> <is> your child <laughs> I told you, I told you Alec Baldwin was a good man. Uh, but like the thing that I like about Cullen that brings the role is just the emptiness of Cullen. Like yeah, he's, he's very bland, but he has lots of money. 
And so like watching Thomas Wayne, you get a real sense of a guy who's very boring, really dull, but has enough money that people have to humor him. So it's like when he's on Good Morning Gotham or whatever it is, he's like really not a great panelist. He's really not into what he's reading, but you can tell they're like, well, he's rich, so his opinion kind of matters here, right? Um, or like even another Batman villain, Bane. <laughs> what Bane represents, which is Bane Capital. Yeah. <laughs> and what a lovely song. <laughs> um, <laughs> what a wonderful voice. Actually, that's my favorite bit in the whole film. I can't get enough of it. Oh, sorry. I don't know if you can. No, do you it can't do it in a crowd. Okay, no. never mind. <laughs> the moment is gone. Run into our face. Sorry about that. Just tea going. But Karen grabbed. Just throw it in my face. But like, sorry, it's cold. I can't throw it in your face. Doesn't have that sort of dramatic effect. But what I like about like in terms of Joker working as a superhero film is that like. It's very much like superhero films about like how the death of your dad makes you a man. It's that Campbellian story. Like your dad dies, you become a man, you become your own person. So like what Joker does is like, well, you don't have a dad. So you invent like three dads and then you kill them all so you can be a hero. So you obviously you like stab Randall really, really brutally in the eye uh, in the movie's most orated violence. You kill Murray Franklin live on television and you inspire the murder of Thomas Wayne. But even things like, say, superhero movies where you have this idea of like you become, you make yourself more than just a man. You become a symbol, an idea. And if you do that, no one can destroy you. And you have like the idea of um, like Arthur doing that. Oh, by the way, I love that he's... Oh, you don't need a cop to do Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't Arthur. <laughs> no? Oh, okay, sorry. But like you have, I love that Arthur is a fleck, yeah. a fleck, a nice bit of trolling there. Um, <laughs> uh, we got one more a fleck Batman movie, it turns out. Oh, um, but um, like even that, that idea then that you have of like, you make yourself more than an idea, you become a symbol. And the idea that like superhero movies, they elevate themselves, they represent ideals and that sort of thing. So you have... Arthur becoming an ideal, but having absolutely no interest in what that ideal is, so long as it gets him power, fame, fortune, and yeah. glory. Yeah, um, the, like the real point of um, what Arthur is doing is the kind of cathartic release of violence. Well, of it's, his own. It's not, yeah. it's not to do with a, a, um, a, like an overarching kind of like uh, message. It's about the pain he feels and the um, satisfaction. Like even uh, on the Franklin show in the middle of his rant, like, and he's talking, you know, like he begins with like the, the kind of press approved sort of like, you know, this'll play well, sort of like class oppression stuff where he's like, you'd step over me in the street. But then, you know, he's like, oh, but this is about how you, how you chain a boy to a radiator and you abuse him. And it becomes like, it's very clear that it's, it's about his pain yeah. more than any other pain, which, you know, I kind of, again, it is tropey and perhaps a bit exploitative in terms of trauma, but I like that it, it makes it clear that he's not an avatar of like social injustice, that Joker's not like, well, aren't we saying something important about the state of modern society? Yeah. Because I would find that a bit much. That would be a bit much. Like, I mean, I think the the aspect of what I was trying to say... We are all clowns. Is, is what? Is that I was just disappointed that, you know, the, the only woman that gets, like, more than yeah. two lines in the film... Ends it's up, his mother it's and like, ends up being... And, yeah, and yeah. I just didn't like that aspect because I was like, oh, come on, like, hmm. we can do better than that at this stage. But even, 
Can't we talk to Phillips? Yeah. Are they going to the creator of the Hangover? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> um, but even then, in terms of like other superhero stuff, you have things like say that the superhero use of flying as a kind mm. of a visual metaphor for how you elevate yourself. One again, and this is one of the things where we talk in the podcast before about movies that are very obvious about what they're doing visually. And it's like movie. I see what you're doing. Um, and it's kind of like, there were a couple of moments like that. I was like, Todd Phillips, I see what you're doing. I kind of like it. It's a little bit heavy handed, but I admire that you're going for it. Where you have like, so if superhero movies are about elevating yourself and like literally by flying, you'll believe a man can fly. Even in Iron Man, think of like driving with the top down. The moment that Tony Stark really becomes a hero is the moment where he goes flying across Los Angeles, across California. And he sort of like is able to set loose the mortal bounds of Earth. Superman flying through the sky with Lois, that sort of stuff, right? Here, you have the visual metaphor of Arthur repeatedly trundling up steps. And he's constantly trundling up steps to humiliation and embarrassment. So, like, he's, like, he's, like, we talk about his physicality. His physicality is amazing. But when he's going up steps with the bags and he's going home, he's almost like a hunchback. It's like gravity is kind of pressing down upon him. When he's at the comedy club, he's going up to what we will eventually discover is his embarrassment. Because you get that Scorsese-esque long take of him moving through the club, for example. But like what, even when he's going up to work, when he's going up to like Hoyt's office, it's the sense of like he's trundling towards something that isn't satisfying or fulfilling. But in contrast, what you have is when he goes down, when he descends, it becomes like liberating and exhilarating. And like the stairs dance is the most obvious example of that. I will talk about that in a moment. But even going down are, there at work. Yeah, yeah, when he's going down at work, when he and stops he and he scribbles over. The sign. Yeah. 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 And there's a sense, like that's one of the moments where you see him dancing and moving. And yeah. there's a sense that like... That punching out joke was probably his funniest. <laughs> in the entire <laughs> it was movie. almost funny. Yeah. <laughs> Just about a joke. <laughs> I, love that, I love that Randall's like, you can probably keep that for your act. Uh, yeah. Don't play it here. Won't play it well here. Um, and by the way, his refusal to murder the little uh, person clown actually is another example of the movie drawing a line which I find interesting mm. where the movie's like the bit where he's like oh don't worry I'd never hurt you you're the only one who was ever nice to me that feels a very calculated move on the part of the film because it's again like like not showing the violence towards the therapist like at the end it's not that horrific yes we're not, not that horrific yeah. it's not going we're not going to do anything that could be misconstrued it's not, it's not exploitative yeah. in that way yeah, yeah. and yeah. to be fair to Phillips I would argue that one of the parts in the film that falls on the right side, like, again, this is the thing where Phillips has talked about outrage culture and how you can't do stuff anymore because people get angry. It's One a of funny the fi- thing, though, because the movie isn't that outrageous. No, no, it's not, no. But the sequence where the clown goes to the door and he can't open it, uh, which is a joke that's based on his height, but it kind of worked for me relatively well because of the incongruity of the situation. And it kind of puts paid yeah. to, it kind of puts paid to Phillips's whole certain things you can't joke about. Look at how outrageous are being because like, this is a joke about... Well, I'm, sure, I'm, I'm certain somebody is going to... Complain uh, about that. Com- yeah. Uh, maybe. But I mean, like that sort of stuff, I, I really... But then really... it's also like, he could just argue like, oh, it's, you know, depicting a man hamstrung by a world that he doesn't fit into. Yeah. 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 As much as Arthur is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and like, but that sequence works very well because, well, first of all, because it gives you the, the tension. And again... It's a great fake fin- out bit in it. The bit where he jumps oh, and grabs him, yeah. like, the bit where it's... And then he kind of laughs as well at the... Yeah. Like, that's one of the better sequences in the film and the tension that you have as like even Arthur said I would never hurt you but as Arthur stands up and moves towards him the first time that I watched the movie I was like is something terrible going to happen now like what did Arthur do that knowing that he wouldn't be it because you see Arthur locking the door with the latch afterwards and you're wondering if he did that like a Scorsese movie would show more and probably in a Scorsese movie the um the, the what, what what's what, what's the name of that character or sorry but he 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 would be killed 
Yeah. Uh, be, um, and it would be to underscore that Arthur is absolutely 100% no Arthur. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's you Gary, would, by the way. Gary's an yeah. And you would see Gary's blood kind of like on his face. You would see it like spurting up onto. Yeah, uh, on his hands and stuff yeah, like that. Because yeah. I mean, the most of the characters that Arthur like, kills over the course of the film are assholes. Like the three Wall Street guys are introduced yeah. to harassing a woman and, and beating Arthur to a pulp. Randall, you know, is like, f- didn't, didn't frame him exactly, but pretty much got him fired. Um, because I have, I have a big and problem with Scorsese movies because I just kind of um, find it difficult to enjoy movies that seem to have this this very sort of um, bleak worldview. Uh, worldview and it's, it's Scorsese movies are but some of the they're way the, funnier as well. Bleak. Oh though, yeah, I but think. that's the, but that's why I like I was them going to say the bleak and Scorsese, the, the yeah, casual they, comedy about it. Yeah. That's why I love them. Exactly, Scorsese movies are hilarious. Like, yeah, but well, a way funnier than Joker. Yeah. Every Scorsese film, even yeah. Hugo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I liked the uh, I liked the sequence with the bat pole. I like that. Like people, like look, people, people have been we we've been very down on Joker for being gritty and self serious and self important. I think we need to take a moment to to acknowledge that Todd Phillips, the director of the Hangover and Old School, structured the film as a very serious rejoinder to one of the most enduring criticisms of, of modern Batman live-action film productions. You know, in 1994, Adam West asked, with a resigned voice, Batman doesn't dance anymore. Todd Phillips offers Joker as a two-hour response to that, I think. And he also, to be fair, also reintroduces the Bat Pole, which has yes. been largely absent from Batman movies since 1966 as well. So he got two things going for him. <laughs> right I mean, I'm delighted because he gave me so much, uh, you know, of... Wacky Phoenix dancing which should be I mean I always think Timothee Chalamet should be contractually obliged to dance in every film he's in because he's a great mover and I also now think that he is (laughs) is very much he's the marble fawn Um, but I also think that you know Wacky Phoenix now should be contractually obliged to dance in every film that he's in because he is wonderful yeah they call that the um, what's it called Um, uh, Sam Rockwell clause oh where you have Um, to dance because you can dance or or Christopher Walken Clause. Um, there, there are a number of, of, of people who must dance in every movie. Well, I mean, apparently the physicality of Arthur was based on Buster Keaton and uh, Ray Bulger, uh, who was the scarecrow from The Wizard of Oz. And apparently the dancing uh, was loosely improvised because what happened is they were going to shoot, he was going to have a nervous breakdown in the bathroom after killing the three guys. Yeah. Um, and between shots, um, they had the soundtrack uh, from Hilder. Um, and they had the beginnings of that because it was in development throughout while the film was in development as well. She wrote a lot of the music before she'd seen any footage. And Phillips played some of the music for uh, Phoenix. And Phoenix began dancing. And so basically, I don't know whether he began shooting then or he just latched on the idea of let's do the scene with the dancing because dancing becomes this kind of means of escape yeah. for Arthur. And I think it works relatively well. I actually like the amount of dancing that there is. Dancing is his flying. Yeah, but also I, it brings back the dancing is dangerous, uh, you know, yeah. Clockwork Orange, <laughs> Clockwork Orange type of thing, yeah. where like you know, Malcolm McDowell well. is dancing around, doing his little soft shoe shuffle after the rape scene in Clockwork Orange, and I think that is a, an influence on that yes. dancing as well because it's a kind of almost a comedic, but it's all, it's actually well, really melancholy. Yeah. It's, it's really melancholy the, the, yeah. his movements and uh, like they're, even beautiful. the thrusting. Well, the trust in something else. But I mean more of the hand. <laughs> yes, movements. the bit where it's sort of like that. Melancholy yeah. trusting. Yeah. <laughs> no, there can be melancholy yeah, trusting, yeah, yeah. believe me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, 
And you, you have like the yeah with with Clockwork Orange when he's sing when he's singing in the rain yeah and 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 then the 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 three kind of like sing sometimes yeah. <laughs> there yeah. you go yeah. 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 but yeah um, you know, like and again Phillips's influences are very heavy on him and again this is one of the things that I think is interesting in the film and again it's not relating to any of the controversy or hype around or anything like that one of the things I find interesting about the film and I don't think it's something Phillips does intentionally which is kind of because he's explicitly stated that's not what he's doing. Where, like, Andrew mentioned before we went into the spoilers on about contrasting then and now. And in terms of, like, why the film's set in 1981 beyond the fact that, you know, Phillips really likes the movies of Martin Scorsese. One of the things I find interesting, and I think, and again, this is where Darren's reading too much into it. But where you have, it is a contrast between then and now, but not in anything that relates to the real world. It's a contrast between the kind of stories that you used to tell then in cinema. So like the urban vigilante films, so things like Death Wish or even like The French Connection, although it's about a cop, you know, that sort of stuff, Travis Bickle and Taxi Driver. Serpico. Versus Serpico, yeah. Like, Roger Tennant. Yeah, that's like the films that you used to make then, with the pulpy heroes that you used to have then who'd like clean up the streets and play out these power fantasies. Because you're right. You, you, Dirty you, Harry too early. Dirty Harry. No, Dirty, yeah, Dirty yeah, Harry. Well, there was the, a whole series, but yeah, it's right there. Yeah. They were around the same time. But like you have like, they were the power... Like, you mentioned Arthur being a dark power fantasy and how I don't get that because I'm a robot. And I kind of, like... I get that, like, superheroes... A robot in... built by your parents. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, similarly to Arthur, apparently never had sex. Um, no, I have your two siblings, so I know they at least had sex. Your father Geppetto always wanted that. A real boy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, it's funny because, like, I've been blocking calls from my dad while we've been recording this which feels like a very joker related thing to do <laughs> oh dear. um a little warmth dad a hug maybe um but like again i wonder if and again maybe i'm giving the movie too much credit but is joker drawing a connection between the revenge power fantasies that we used to have like, so the films that this is drawing on, like, Taxi Driver, like, uh, Dirty Harry, like, Death Wish. And this idea of, like, men who go out into the world and, like, shoot people because the world is a terrible place. And they're the only people who talk about revenge under drops. Yeah. Of yeah, that's... society rather than... Yeah. And, like, elevating, kind of, like, living out that fantasy of being powerful in a world where you're not necessarily powerful, you know? Um, and is the movie drawing a connection between that and the superhero narrative and the idea of like superheroes being to a certain extent the kind of like continuation or extension of that power fantasy where like you look at like nowadays if it's like you want to imagine being powerful you imagine you are a superhero and so the film is kind of like filtering or contrasting those two things where it's like what if the di like Kick-Ass is sort of like along a those lines, yeah. cross between those two kinds of movies well, in that it's very candid about the violence that's being done in a way most superhero movies aren't. That yeah. sort of stuff. And the fantasy of it as well. And the patheticness of that fantasy as well. It, to, for a certain, you know, to a certain extent. And again, I'm willing to concede I'm probably reading this into Joker rather than it being something that's there consciously. But I do find something interesting in that. In that, like, a lot of the coverage around the film was, well, this is like Travis Bickle as a superhero origin story. And it's not really, it's but not, not at all. But I wonder if it's more like maybe the distance between Travis Bickle and a superhero story isn't as wide as you would want, to, as people would think that it is. 
You know, in a sense, like, is this, are superhero movies, do they tap into the same power fantasies or escapist fantasies or sort of like fantasies of just being empowered or being able to change the world in a way that the men with guns stories did in the 70s or 80s? Because there's something quite empowering about these comic book stories that tell tell a story about somebody who's different and not accepted. Yeah. Like X-Men is kind of ostensibly I yeah. suppose about it about, I mean even about Superman is an alien people of yeah 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 um, um, Peter Parker is bullied at school and then he finally gets to show them who he is by being Spider-Man you but know the that's problem what... isn't that that's um, not relatable enough is that it's like too relatable so, you know, <laughs> like all sorts of horrible people who are the problem who yeah. see themselves as a victim yeah well know, i mean like the, like i mean have you you guys probably haven't read the early steve ditko influenced issues of spider-man where there are parts where it reads like peter parker's going to be a school shooter where it's like yeah. you have him being bullied and then you have him turning to the panel and going oh i'll show them one day what i wouldn't give to just be able to use my strength just <laughs> once and i'd you show flash his boss another example of the film with its incelness because arthur's diary is full of porn but the the film then kind of shies away from like the uh the wanting of sex like the sexual desire that he sublimated because yeah. it's there but the film doesn't it's hidden. that's it well it's yeah. not it's not it's even like, hidden, it's but kind of concealed it's like or it's there's explored. also like the, the x-rated movie house is yes. there but it's like and then it's on fire at one point strip and it's search like, or ace in the hole yeah or, i mean like I, but like, like i really wanted yeah. Anyway, that was just me. Did you really it. want a scene where Joaquin Phoenix goes into Ace in the Hole? I really wanted it to be more. If, if it was Joker's a Paul Wild Thomas Ace in the Hole, Anderson film, it would have yeah. had a, a, a more exploration like of that, like of what he wants and what uh, and the space between what he wants and what he can't have or yeah. what can't achieve by you know isolating himself. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I don't know. It's a. I just think it. It's more chaotic than anything. Like the, the reading of it, it's not. I don't think that there's a clear. Yeah. You can't come away from it going. Well, it is openly. Oh, it is openly saying. like it is it's open, ambiguous. It's completely ambiguous. It's, like, well, it's openly nihilistic, which no, I mean, it is. Like, isn't necessarily is a bad it? thing with the character. Okay, is this okay? This sorry, Andrew. Well, I don't know. As as in kind of um, what you have perhaps is a uh, a realization of of. Um, well, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to reach here. Well, well, yeah, well, well, I mean, well, you say that as if I haven't just sat there yeah. and said what Todd Phillips has created well, is a, I, a history of American pulp fiction. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's really you, one of our great artist critics. You could find that by, by the way, by the way, kind of um, Arthur uh, or sorry, Alfred. Sorry. No, oh. neither oh. of those are his name. Um, Murray. Uh, no, uh, Fleck. Um, Arthur, you're Arthur. 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 Oh, okay, grand, grand, grand. Arthur, just like Dudley Moore. <laughs> exactly. Art, the, like what this film is. <laughs> um, but the way I'm the sorry, way he's like kind of film. taken up on the the shoulders of everyone, I yes. think, makes him realize that their problems are also his problems. Which, 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 like, sorry, if and this is a stretch. Okay. But that that he doesn't get earlier on in the movie, okay. where he's saying to the social worker. Um, uh, I don't think you ever listened to me. Yeah. And she's saying, uh, I want the to city be seen. are closing down yeah. all their services. Yeah. Where he's like, oh, it, it's almost as if to him, oh, what has that got to do with me? Yeah. Where it's like, those are his services that they're closing down. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not political, but but he he's it's inspired he, he's this movement these and they're wearing tree, his face. Yeah. Um, uh, rich guys. I don't think he realizes the extent to which he's a victim of 
perhaps um the the kind of world that he 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 finds himself living in and 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 that the the um the people who are out on the streets realize um kind of the 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 context to it before he does um whereas for him it's kind of like oh no they've just kind of ran with it but that 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 he he does something for a reason that he's unaware of they um discovered a reason and bring it back to him okay I, I i don't know I, like I, that but but i i did think that it was good that the movie wasn't set in 2019 because yes. i think if it had been it would have been very unknown very didactic, but he would have yeah. had to he would have had to have a side to come down on i think if i had that's why i mean that's why i said if he had have said it in contemporary society i would have liked to have seen that film to see where he was going with this rather than kind of just copping out and just kind of leaving it the way it is left and i I do think there's a whole part of it because it's so narrow in its subject matter obviously like as in it's just it's him it's him it's him um and i understand that but i also would have liked if you you know even in any scorsese film there is the Jodie Foster of Taxi Driver. Yeah. There is the somebody else. There is the Lauren Bracco in in Goodfellas, yeah, for example. Exactly. There is a nobody Arguably else the Sharon Stone in Casino. this film. We Except pray that for... nobody shoots Donald Trump because of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that... we're we're meant to say like, I mean, for legal reasons that we don't want that to happen. Yeah, but, um, okay. but I've turned off the news on the phone. Like my, my my nightmare is, again. This isn't sorry. I shouldn't say this because it sounds very self centered. You know, the worry that by the time we've released this, something horrible will have happened, and we'll seem like terrible people for being so cavalier. The chances are something horrible would have happened anyway. That's fair. Um, That's fair. Anyway. <laughs> because nothing matters, Andrew. Because we're not political. Well, that, that, like my reading of that scene at the end is that Arthur has just been elevated and he's glad to be elevated and yeah, he doesn't that's all care he wants. Yeah. like yeah which that, that's why I'm saying I kind of understand why there in a way there isn't that other parallel story or there isn't that other voice in the film yeah. but I do think it's to its detriment in another way because you need I think what makes it so long I think the second half of the film kind of like even though that's the part where the action ostensibly is happening it kind of drags because you're like I'm still in this guy's <gasps> brain and like you, you want that little escape shoot and I, I wanted Zazie Beats to be in it more yeah. I wanted to see things a little bit from her perspective or something with her in it because then you have you know the bounce off that of going things are hard for everybody who it's not just you. Well, I think that, which I think would the, be a nice. I think the film kind of gets that with the social work. It, okay. it doesn't really, though. It's okay. not explicitly said. It's kind of just. Well, no. I mean, as in, it's it's not delved into our like, constant thematic element. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I find is a little bit. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's his first pancake. I don't know. Like again, this is the thing where I feel like I'm being an asshole to Todd Phillips, but sometimes he makes it easy. Um, <laughs> but it's 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 like, and I don't want to be dismissive because this was much better than like. We talked about how I dreaded this because it, I thought it was going to be Todd Phillips, Martin Scorsese fan fiction, which it is, but it's very much, it's much better at that than I was worried it was going to be. But it's like watching it, it not coming down on a side almost feels a relief to me because I wonder how Todd Phillips would handle things like, for example, the racial element that we talked that is present in Taxi Driver, but this film is very he, careful he, to avoid. Inexplicably has more sense. Than yeah. to... No, that, that's it exactly. But then there was like a review in The New Yorker today yeah. that was saying the complete opposite, saying that it is racially not great. Like it's actually racially bizarre. And 
that's a whole other side of it that you can read yeah. from it that it, it is a great in terms of race oh no I, I abs- like I'm not saying it's great in terms no, of race no but I meant as in it's problematic yeah. in terms okay. of race like it, uh, yeah. which is another reading of it completely because but I think I think it I think at the very least and again you know a good faith read of the film for me at least and again not to, not to belittle other people's complaints and everybody comes out from an angle I think a good faith argument of the film looks at it and says it's trying like whether or not it succeeds is one thing but it's like it's actually making I love going to see a film that you know is trying no 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 no. but I mean like like in terms of this stuff yeah like you can tell that they have I'm afraid that's all we have time for tonight. I know, I know. Afraid our intern Dave lost the end of the recording of that particular episode. Uh, I mean, he's so competent, he could be working in the White House. Am I right? Am I right? You're too kind, you're too kind. We'd like to say a very special thank you to our guest, uh, Jen Gannon. It was a wonderful discussion. We had a great time, and we hope that she did as well. Don't worry, we've got a great show lined up for you next week. We're going to have the wonderful Charlene Lydon from the Lighthouse Cinema. She's going to be joining us. We're going to have Alex Towers from the podcast When Irish Eyes Are Watching. They're going to be joining us to talk a little bit about Fight Club. Until then, remember... That's life. That's That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April, shot down in May. But I know I'm gonna change that tune When I'm back on top, back on top in June I said that's life And as funny as it may seem Some people get their kicks Stomping on a dream But I don't let it, let it get me down Cause this fine old world, it keeps spinning around.